What's going on, guys? This is Robert Frank. You're listening to episode 55 of the Glorious House of Gains podcast. Today, we had a very special guest in the house. We had two guests in the house, but the most important one is a former WCW tag team champion, former WCW cruiserweight champion, and former WCW hardcore champion. Crowbar was in the house. It was epic. We learned a lot. Enjoy. Let's go. You're listening to the Glorious House of Gains podcast. Here's your host, Robert Frank. What's up, everybody? Robert Frank, 615 here with you. Today is April 10th, 2019. Hump day, yeah! And I am at the round table of testosterone, which is actually a square because we have a leaf in the middle of the table. Jimmy Triceps, the most aesthetic creature in the crew, and Ray Worldwide are out of state. Ray is in Japan, and Jimmy Triceps is... North, South Carolina, Georgia, somewhere around there. So to my right, we have, new to the podcast, but not new to the program, you've seen her in my Instagram stories, you've seen her on my Instagram, she was actually in the Halloween Steel Supplement skit, uh, do we have your name on there, your real name, or we're using your fake name? What's my fa- Oh, you can use my fake name. Okay. Yeah. Janice in the house. Hi, Hi, Janice. Welcome to the show. To her right, we have the host of This Week in Sports, the Pody, a bird. What's up, Ant? To his right, we have the butcher, the baker, the donut maker, <laughs> Joey Bag of Donuts. What's up, Joe? Another one. And to his right, we have the real guest in the house tonight. He is a former WCW tag team champion. WCW Hardcore Champion, WCW Cruiserweight Champion. He's held titles all over the place. He has been in WWE, WWF, Ring of Honor, TNA, WCW, NWA. God damn it, all over the place. Crowbar in the house. What's up, brother? Thank Thanks you so for having me on, Robert. This is phenomenal. Uh, before we even start, you say, uh, you know, we met before and you said, you know, it's great having me on. It is an honor and a privilege to be on with you. Huge fan. And uh, just want to let you know, before we go any further, you okay. know, you hear stuff about internet personalities like yourself. You are truly a crossover where you're in pop culture. Okay. I go to my gym. And you'll hear people down the gym on like a bench. Uh, house, house of Gains, uh, Chest Day, Monday through Thursday. You're in pop culture. not And, and I go to a lot of different gyms you're there you're being mentioned you're being quoted so it's 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 so much bigger than you probably even realize you're all over the place bro and congrats that's that's all ladies and gentlemen if you don't know this is what's called putting me over okay i'm I'm over right now baby over and you may not even notice that's going on as well in the wrestling locker rooms wrestlers love robert frank they love your lines. They love your catchphrases. That's awesome. Uh, pro wrestlers out there are probably just a big a fan of you as you are of them. Uh, so it's an honor to be here. That that really is awesome. And we're going to get into all that stuff. We're going to get into how you and I met. We're going to get into just everything. Um, and I know Joey Bags is a big wrestling fan. Janice is a wrestling fan. Yeah. I'm, of course, I mean, you could tell by my promos and shit, that you know, the little car age videos, that I'm a wrestling fan. So we have plenty of questions. We got a lot of stuff that we're going to go over. However, before we do, just so we don't have to interrupt the show later on, let's pay the bills, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do you support the Jack Tan Juicy as Fuck movement? Then head your ass over to robertfrank615.com. 
and get your ass some merch. Sick fucking pump swells the goal size of the prize. Glorious house of gains. Many more designs are in stock and ready to be rocked at the gym, bar, club. When you run errands, go to the mall with your girl. Take your grandma to the bingo, whatever. Go to robertfrank615.com and get some merch, baby. Let's go. All right. Steel supplements, guys. We'll make this quick. Are you taking five scoops of your pre-workout not feeling shit? That's because you're not using steel supplements at steel. We got pre-workout, post-workout, intra-workout, fat burners, sleep aid, andros, dick pills, you name it. We got shit to make you bigger, leaner, harder, everything you need to be a more complete man. Go to steelsub615.com and use the current promo code, which is RF615, to save some cash. But remember, guys, always check my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook to make sure that you're using the most up-to-date code. This way, I don't get bombarded with DMs saying, yo, your code's not working. What the fuck? So anyways, and last but not least, uh, if you guys need a cameo, you need a birthday shout out, motivation for your gym bro, whatever, Go to cameo.com forward slash Robert Frank 615 and book me for a cameo and I will uh, hook you guys up. So with all that said, every time Crowbar, we do a podcast, we like to read some of the feedback that we get from uh, our iTunes fans. So this one is a five star review comes in from sit on my face, please. I'm not making it up. That is the name. Five star review. I look forward to the podcast every single week. Never stop doing what you guys are doing. P.S. Gary Vagina is a beta. Whoever Gary Vagina is, you are a beta. Before, you know, prior to you mentioning that last comment, I was going to say thank you, Janice, for doing us, uh, having a review for us online. Wait, it's over your head. What was the username again? Oh, oh, please. Sit on my face, please. Is that your username, Janice? (laughs) Shut up, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this one comes in from Gucci827. Five-star review. Swole. Definitely. The Swollest Podcast. And last but not least, another five-star review comes in from Joe Rogan. Wow. (laughs) You guys are on my ass. Hold on a second. Let's read this again. You guys are on my ass. Definitely going to take over the number one podcast spot by 2020. So thank you so much, Joe Rogan. We appreciate uh, the comment and the five-star review. So let's go into the live stream right now. Let's see what the bros and broettes are doing. But before we do, um, Janice, do you want to? Everybody knows who Crowbar is, and we're going to be focusing a lot of the podcast on him. Do you want to introduce yourself and let the people know who you are? Uh, okay. Go for I'm it. I'm Janice, also known as Jeanette. Um, I don't know. What do you want to know? How I met well, you? How people I... have seen you in videos. They've seen you in stories. They know that we hang out on the weekend. We all get drunk together. We do. We have. You know. We just have a good time. You're a friend of my wife, MBJ, Ms. Booty Jiggles. I essentially raised her. Pretty much, <laughs> yes. So, for those of you who are like out there, like, who's this new chick that you have on the podcast? She's not a new chick. No. She's an old chick. Yeah. What? Fifty-two, right? You're fifty-two. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, but I feel like is this a good opportunity now? Are you by any chance want to share relationship status? There's good ten, I'd say around twenty to thirty thousand people that will listen. It's mostly I want to say ninety percent male. Would you like to? Well, I'm single. All right. Are you well, single and ready to mingle, no. or you're just? Single? <laughs> okay. Do you have any anything you want to put out there? What you're interested in? Anything like that? What do you mean? What am I? Is there any way? Well, like a a 
man. Like, what are you looking yeah, for? Yeah, I am, I am interested in a man. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, <laughs> uh, what they look like, a specific age range. And when you say you're interested in a man, you're not talking about Becky Lynch man, right? Because doesn't she go by the man, right? No. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Actually, you're looking for... one with a penis. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Beautiful. I like penis. All right. That's good. <laughs> okay. So, let's, let's move on with the show here. So... I said this earlier, I think in the introduction, or I may have said this off the air. You are one of very few people who have been in every major federation that is out there. Mm-hmm. The one that I think you're missing is Japan, right? Have you ever have you ever done anything in Japan yet? Uh, have you researched this, or are you, are you trying to rib me on this one? No, no, no. Great Japan. So I've never been to, been to Japan with an asterisk. How's this? Okay. Okay. I was uh, probably in my freshman year of college, and the NWA was going to have their light heavyweight tournament in Japan. Okay. Uh, at that time, I'm, I'm a naive new guy in the wrestling biz at this time, uh, but making waves here on the indie scene, doing flips and Frankensteiners, yada, yada. At, at that time, there wasn't a lot of that going on here. So I got booked for the NWA light heavyweight championship in Japan. And at that time, it was common practice to go over without a work visa. Okay. And I had no idea about this. It was just assumed that you know, I knew this. I got into the wrestling business at 17 years old, very naive to with the world and stuff like that. I was not aware that that was the procedure of going over to Japan. And, and no one told you this. And nobody told me this. Okay. So long story short, hop on a plane, uh, fly over to Japan, however many hours that is, I think 16 hours or something like that. Arrive, I get to immigration, and it, they asked me, why am I there? I said, well, I'm here. To, I very proudly said, I'm here to wrestle in the NWA tournament. And the guy's looking at me and, you know, Russell, and he's looking at me, and next thing you know, I'm brought, I'm corralled into this room, interrogated, screamed at, <laughs> and denied entry to the country, and thrown on the next plane back home. Now, you're probably like a good, because, you know, I, I watch a lot of Japanese stuff, and anytime that I see any, like, the American guys go over there, you were probably a good six to eight inches taller than everybody, <laughs> yeah. right? So you were like a mutant walking around there. And they just have you in an interrogation room screaming at you, yeah. and you're just taking and, it. And then at the very end, there was a very nice Japanese woman that spoke a little bit of English. She goes, next time you come back, you get visa, we let you in. After this dude screamed at me for like 15 minutes. Gotcha. So it ended so, up being a, a visa issue. Yes. So never I actually never wrestled in Japan. But you've been to Japan. For about <laughs> 20 minutes. That that is and that's at, crazy. And at that time, I'm like 19 years old, first time ever going overseas. My mom hates wrestling to begin with. She's nervous, especially because I'm doing all this wild shit, yep. flipping, going upside down. She's afraid I'm going to break my neck. So now I fly to Japan. Promise I'm going to call when I get there. They interrogate me, give me no time for a phone call, throw me on the next plane back. So for a good 32 hours, my very nervous mother is totally unaware of my whereabouts. Oh my. Yeah. So when I got home, I probably did get spoken to for about a month. That, yeah, that's, dude, that is, that's unfortunate because every, every wrestler that I have, you know, loved over the years, they've always done some kind of stint in Japan. 
whether it was Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, uh, more recent Kenny Omega. I know you're familiar with Kenny Omega, just left uh, sure. New Japan just to come over to AEW. But um, that, that would have been awesome. Then you could say that you have wrestled literally in every like major, major promotion. promotion that is out there. And, and that's actually something throughout my career through to ECW, WCW, TNA. People come up to me, oh, you've been to Japan. Just because my style was very much that style of someone that would wrestle there. They just assumed that I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Never been there. Yeah. Well, you are the reason, and, and the first story that I want to tell is how I got into wrestling. And everybody could share, if, if, chime in if you want. How I got into wrestling, my first memories, I may have shared this with you in the past, my first memories of wrestling was... Somehow, someway, I was a little kid, and I, I was watching the TV, and it was Macho Man Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo, right? Macho Man and Lanny Poffo, who's later known as the genius, against the Rock and Roll Express. And this was like Mid-South Wrestling. It was ICW. It was one of the territories down there where Macho Man, before he went to WWF. And the, my first memories of wrestling was Macho Man pile-driving Ricky Morton through a table. On the outside of the ring. Wow. And I was like, I don't know how old, six, seven years old. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I got to start watching this. And then when you find out that WWF comes on every Saturday morning and it's like cartoon stuff, I was like, this isn't what, this isn't, where's the pile drives through tables? Like, well, what am I watching here? But I know that uh, you told me that Macho Man is your all-time favorite wrestler. Absolutely. And... You've worked with Macho Man, right? I was in WCW when he was there. Uh, during my first stint there, it was kind of, I, I was actually a full-time college student at Kane University. Gotcha. And uh, during that time, they would intermittently fly me out to do TV tapings, uh, WCW Saturday Night, yep. Nitro Worldwide, and he was there. Never had the opportunity to really speak with him, and I think I was probably shit scared to speak yeah. to him I was just in awe of this guy but uh, I walked by him a couple times he was there and it, I mean even just that interaction without even getting to speak to him was just amazing you know it's uh, he's my all time favorite I was actually having a conversation with him uh, not with him with Danny Doring about him uh, okay. this weekend and if you watch him uh, his work the way he wrestled uh, he was so vicious, aggressive, and fast. He yeah. was like stink on shit. Yeah. And even though today's uh, style is so more updated and more athletic, his style would still work today, I think. I think his style oh, would still hold up just because he was so aggressive and on the guy, and everything he did looked real. Yeah. And and I I always found him as a character that was like the perfect combination of great work rate. He was an incredible athlete, athlete knew how to wrestle, but when he came out, he had this incredible showmanship, the long capes, the headbands, the sunglasses. Yep, yep. I, I really think he was the whole package. I've spent enough money over the past couple months getting all my Macho Man gimmicks <laughs> for uh, to do those videos where I pretend that I'm the Macho Man. I hope he shows up tonight, by the um, way. I, I hope. We'll, we'll see about that, yeah. Um, I... Unfortunately, I've done that character. Me and Joey, we talk about this all the time. And I always, before I, I upload something with Macho Man, I usually send it to Jeanette. And Jeanette will give me the, oh, or Janice, so sorry. so spot on Jeanette, Janice, same thing. Yeah, yeah I because I know she remembers Macho Man. The problem is, my audience, like, Macho Man is a little bit, like, before their time, I mm -hmm. feel like. 
My audience is like the 18 to 24 year old demographic. That's like the bulk of my audience. Then we have like the 24 to 36 who probably remember Macho Man because Macho Man probably had his last match somewhere around when WCW closed up, right? I think maybe he went to TNA for a little while. I don't think he... Yeah, Yeah. so... But anyways, it's still... Most of my audience was born in like 2000. So if Macho Man's last match was 2002, they're two years old. Unless they're hardcore True Blue wrestling fans, you're really not going to know who he is. But um, yeah, he's definitely who got me into it. His promo, like you said, his work rate, fast-paced. And the reason I asked you if you ever worked him is because... I've always heard that he's big on, like, scripting his matches start to finish. Like, he wants to know every move from the time that you guys get in the ring to the very end, which when you're doing a 20, 30-minute match, that's nearly impossible to, like... There's a lot of guys that don't like that. I'm actually... I fall on... I'm pretty much the same way. I like... I have a good photographic memory and right. I like knowing not every single thing but I boom ba boom ba boom and it just that's how my brain works gotcha uh, so if I'm doing a 20-30 minute match I I have these points in there and that's just how my brain works it uh, and, and I actually prefer to work that way as well gotcha cool. I can do stuff on the fly of course you have to be able to in this business but if I have my ideal situation I ask any wrestling promoter I'll get booked I'll say okay who am I working with and if it's a guy that I really don't know, I'll research your stuff on YouTube or something. And, okay, I like that. Like, okay, maybe we could do this and that. Yep. And and I'll start doing, I'll be at home on a recumbent bike, pedal away, do my cardio, which I hate. And yep. I'll have my pad and, and I'll just be jotting down ideas. I know what I do. I see what they're doing. Uh, this is something I do for fun right now still. But I'm so passionate about it that, especially when I get an opponent that I want to work with and I'm excited to work with, I put the time in and I'll study their stuff and try to really come up with something that makes what we do out there uh, as good as it could be. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's you have to research and, and that is what makes a good match because if you just got two guys in there that, you know, and you're just calling spots in the ring, I'm sure it could end up being a clusterfuck. And then you're like, I that mean, no matter how. Though, there are guys that... Literally, I've gone to shows where I've showed up at with the business late from work, and or the other guy showed up late, and you go out there and you just do it, and and sometimes it comes out awesome. Yeah. But for me, I prefer to know ahead and just be able to go through stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's let's do this super chat real quick that came in from our man Damian McCoy, uh, five dollar dono. Thank you so much, brother. He says can't make it. To work, uh, can't make it into work tonight because of another blizzard. On the bright side, I can actually watch the live stream today. So thank you so much, brother. We appreciate you hanging out with us. I see all the mods in there, uh, making sure that everybody remains in order. So quick question: that yeah, guy ahead. is. I remember that guy a couple weeks ago saying that was a blizzard. Where was he from again? Because it wasn't the United States, right? I want to say Colorado. No, I oh, think it was the Col- United States. I think he's Colorado. But correct me if we're if we're wrong there, Damien. Um, so I know I told you this, I know we were chatting a little bit before you came on. I said, uh, you asked me if we were going to do a segment to make sure I give you a heads up of the participants who are going to be in this FMK segment that we do, which is an old, uh, I want to say it was either, uh, was it Howard Stern that used to do the, the fuck, Mary kill or was it, uh, Opie and Anthony? I forget, but either way, maybe they both did. So we're just going to throw you on the spot here. Okay. And I'm going to give you some some wrestling names. Now, we we know that you're married. 
Yes, and I am. This is this this is just all for funsies. Okay, we're we're just we're just talking shit here. You hear that, Dina Ford? All for funsies. <laughs> yes, Dina Ford. All for funsies. And hi, Dina. Uh, uh, we've met on uh, multiple occasions, and I uh, just wanted to say hello to you. Make sure that uh, you know that uh, this is all in fun. Also, she's a huge Robert Frank fan, as well as the entire Ford clan. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah Shout she, out to a, the Ford clan, yeah. man. Appreciate you guys. So here we go. One of these, you have to um, make love to. One of them, you have to marry and make love to more than once. And then one of them, you have to, we're not going to say kill, but you have to get rid of them. Okay? Stacy Keebler, Miss Hancock, same person. Tori Wilson, familiar with her, right? Mm-hmm. Kimberly Page. So I gave have, my answers this morning. I, I, I was so excited. Joey Bags <laughs> gave his answers this morning. So we have Stacy Keebler, Tori Wilson, Kimberly Page. I was gonna pick an, I wasn't gonna put Kimberly in there, but I was like, you know what? Let's throw a brunette in there. So and that is probably the most awkward person you could throw in there because Dallas Page has done is, so much I, for me. I know, he got me I know, my job. I, know. <laughs> I, I I remember that, but you know yeah. what? There were other ones that I was going to put in there that were brunette. <laughs> However, they are no longer with us, and that just would have been super mm. awkward. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to rationalize, or could I just just back? spit them out? Okay. I mean, you could rationalize if you want to. <laughs> F. Stacy Keebler. Okay. Can't go wrong there. Is that what you said? I think we're one for one so far. <laughs> we are? I, I wanted to wait till the end to oh, see. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Mary Kimberly Page. Okay. I like dark hair better than blonde hair. Gotcha. That's um, a safe bet, too. And unfortunately... Tori's got to go. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's the A. We, we appreciate Given those honesty. three. Given those three, that, that's how it would shake out. Right. I was going to throw either Sable or Trish Stratus in there as well, and instead of Kimberly Page, because I know your relationship with, with Dallas, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I know that he, he was a big hand in getting you back into WCW and everything. Mm-hmm. So, But again, I didn't want to pick Miss Elizabeth or Woman or anything like that, because I don't want to pick somebody that's no longer with us. So um, good choices, though. Very good choices. classy. Yes, yes. We got to keep it classy. As classy as possible. <laughs> For FMK, you got to keep it as classy as possible. So we have a super chat that came in from High Nods that keep it up, love the podcast. Thank you, uh, High. Uh, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but thank you for the uh, donation. And Damian McCoy said Northern Colorado, uh, America. So thank you for another super chat. Um, I want to rewind real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, when because this is the literally the first thing that came to my mind when you were in Japan and they said you had to leave, right? Did you have to pay for that flight, or they just literally put you on a plane to get you out of there? How does that work? Uh, the wrestling promotion paid for me to get there. I had a flight to go home. It wasn't that flight, but uh, they just threw me on the next flight. I didn't have to pay for anything. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was, I'm wondering, like, what, what do they make you pay for it, too? That's crazy. But you want to talk about a miserable flight home. I was sick. I was just... Oh, I can imagine. Oh, oh my God. It, it was, at that time, it was going to be what would be, you know, I, I at that time... A lot of the moves that I was doing, I learned by getting Japanese wrestling videos. Right. And to go to Japan at that time, huge honor, beyond excited for this, so hyped up, thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Get there, and it was just like getting kicked in the balls and punched in the stomach at the oh, same I, time. I can imagine. I wanted to cry. And I, I literally, 
at that time, believe it or not, too, this is a little small, just to show how devastated I was. I, I hadn't even had my first drink yet, believe it or not. I actually didn't start drinking probably till 23. Uh, believe it or not, I actually, I actually started late. Uh, I, I, that whole 16-hour flight home, I was so depressed, I slept. I was in like an, an in-between awake and asleep uh, mode, and I just, I was... Devastated, and that's a long time to be trapped in a plane when you're feeling like that. Like at 19, yeah, especially after that's just so taking a 16 hour flight there, yeah, and yeah. having these grandiose expectations and just that uh, that that is. You never tried to go back or anything. Never got the offer, and I just never really tried. So it just never popped up. Like I said, I've wrestled so many places that people just assume that because of my style that I have experience over in Japan. Never been there. Right. Well, that's what I want to get into. And and that's actually what uh, your style is what got me back into wrestling. So let's let's go back a little bit. So Macho Man, Pile Driver, Ricky Morton through a table. That's when I was hooked with wrestling. I was never the biggest WWF fan. I, I mean, you know, Hogan, Bundy, Big John Studd, all your, your junkyard dog, all that. That was all cool. Jeanette, you yeah, remember I like all these them. things, right? Actually, Jeanette. <laughs> Anytime that an 80s or like 90s wrestler like passes away, like uh, Piper, uh, Nikolai Volkov, Ivan Cole, anything, she's the first person that texts me. Yeah, like, for the last you know? eight years. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and, and it's crazy. But so I would, I would always seek out AWA, World Class Championship Wrestling, NWA back then before it turned into WCW. Sure. That was my stuff. Like the Road Warriors. Holy shit. When you would see these guys come in, they would just beat the just hell out people. of people. Yep. Um, your Ric Flair's, the, the, the promos back then, it was so different than the WWF stuff that they were doing. So I really I watched WWF because it was the local stuff and I could always catch it on Saturday morning. But I always seeked out the other programs. Once Vince started buying everybody up, and now all the guys that I loved in world class, your Ravishing Rick Rudes, your Dingo Warrior, the AWA guys... That they would grab. Now everyone was in WWF. So I was like, well, there's really no reason to watch the other places because all the guys that I love now are here. Probably somewhere around 92, 93, I stopped watching. It was like around the time where like Million Dollar Man was tag team with IRS, uh, The Natural Disasters, uh, Hogan left to go do movies. It was like I, I got bored with it. What brought me back into wrestling, and I was telling her this the other night, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm at a friend's house, and I haven't heard, seen nothing of wrestling in years. Then there was ECW on the television, and I saw Sabu, you, uh, Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, Raven, all these guys doing all this fucked up shit that I've never seen before. And I was like, the stuff that you do, the... Uh, what do you call it? The topes over the top rope, the over the top rope leg drop, the dives, the this, the that. Rey Mysterio, I think Rey Mysterio was fighting like psychosis yeah, in the psychosis, ECW. Yeah. It was crazy. And I was like, wow, like this is what wrestling is now? And this was at the same time that the NWO was just like starting up. So that's what got me back into wrestling again. And um, so let's take it there. ECW, you spent some time there. You were in WWF first, though, right? No, uh, I was in ECW for about a year first. Actually, uh, I'm trying to think where. Before all that, I actually had one that not many people know that I had one WWF match before even ECW. Uh, 
Bill DeMott, Hugh Morris, yep. uh, was granted a tryout with WWF uh, in uh, with the Poconos. I forget the arena's name. Allentown or something like that. Okay. And uh, at, at that time, I had met Hugh Morris when I was 12 years old at what I like to call the Moss Eisley Cantina of Gyms. Yeah. Strong yep. and Shaking We'll get into gym that later, too. <laughs> in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And I had known him since I was 12 years old. Fast forward, uh, I started training in pro wrestling. And after I got my basics down, Hugh Morris, Bill DeMott was a guy that actually started training me in how to do the the moon salts, the Frankensteiners, the the more Japanese type stuff. Right. Uh, and he was given a tryout, and he gave me a call. He said, "I have this op- opportunity to have a tryout with WWE. Uh, I want to bring somebody there with me that that I can trust that won't try to get themselves over and re- really try to make me look good. Would you do it?" I go, "Bill, I'd be honored. You've done so much for me." Yeah. So I actually had that very early on in my career. I got a picture of it somewhere but it's uh i mean that was actually happened before ecw okay and then uh i always i i first went to i to i, I had like one or two ecw matches that were just job matches when i first started out to uh they brought me in just got killed by the harris brothers and uh some guy judge dread uh but then Jeez. i had gone to wcw uh, I did a few nightly matches uh, doing like cruiserweight stuff. At that time, like I said before, I was full time in in uh, at Kane University st- studying physical therapy. Yep. Uh, and at the same time, I was doing that, doing pro wrestling. So when WCW called, they said, "Hey, would you mind coming down here? We'll f- fly you in around your schedule. We know you're full time student." So I did a few cruiserweight things. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was cool. Wow. Conan, and then. That just because of my schedule and just the way things worked out didn't end up evolving into anything at the time, nor could it really. You know, I was a, a, like a full-time student. ECW, right in Philadelphia at that time, seemed perfect for me. I loved the style. I loved watching it. Uh, so after calling a few times, I ended up going down there. And, uh, you know, I pretty much stayed around the lower part of the car. There had a few op opportunities to do some wild stuff but for the most part i was basically an an undercard glorified job guy but had a, a hell of a lot of fun yeah. uh, it, it was a cool opportunity and it was literally you know a, a, an hour and a half for me so i was as i said full-time in school full-time e- school ecw driving distance it just fit now i want to stop you real quick because you keep saying cruiserweight matches yeah you ain't no damn cruiserweight bro uh, <laughs> you when you were when you were Active uh, wrestling in ECW, you're what six one like six, six two one. something like that. Yeah, and you had to be two what forty? Nah, not two two twenty five, two thirty something. I'd, like that. I'd say about two twenty five. But the style. How that was I, that a cruiserweight? <laughs> <laughs> at at that time, a lot of times it was overlooked if you were heavier if you did that style because not a lot of guys were doing that style. So, right. Oh, this guy flips and he does Frankenstein's and he does head scissors like uh, cruiserweight. And and he's not huge cruiserweight. Right, right. And I was more than happy to do that style, and I didn't mind being labeled at it as well. Yeah, well, you were one of the first, like you said, with the Frankensteiners, the, the uh, jumping off the ropes, doing the dives, everything like that. You were one of the first people in the States to start doing that stuff. Now, like, you know, you got everybody just because they're adopting yeah. the Japanese style yeah, and the they- Mexican the athleticism now is on a whole nother ridiculous, crazy 
incredible plane. Uh, yeah. The athleticism is nuts. Well, I uh, just showed her a match between uh, uh, Will Ospreay and Ricochet from, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago. Are you familiar with Will Ospreay from New Japan? I don't know Will Ospreay, but I know uh, Ricochet. Ricochet. Right. Well, picture Ricochet, but probably ten times more athletic. Wow. With the flips, the dives, oh, the moves. this guy was crazy. Yeah, and I showed her, and she's like, these are like some gymnasts, gymnast. dudes. Yeah. Like, they, they are. They're doing some crazy stuff. And I think, see, the problem with today, and, and this is just my opinion. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Today, people's attention spans are, they're so used to getting fast-paced matches with flips and dives. And it's almost like if you don't get that in a match, they're disappointed. Like, back in the day, I'll go on YouTube. I spent a lot of time on YouTube, more time than I should, and watching old wrestling stuff from 85, 86, Madison Square Garden shows, WWF. Motherfucker will have a headlock on a guy for 30 seconds, and the crowd is just sitting there eating it. Yeah. Like, you can't do that now. The crowd will chant, boring, boring, within 30 seconds if you put a headlock, even less than that. So do you think that, and it's almost like these matches are choreographed in a way not a scripted match where like all right i know i want to get this spot at this point we want to do this that and the other but do you feel like just the the choreographedness if that's a word is hurting today's wrestling or is it making it better it's tough and and i had a guy at at a show the other day ask me a similar question cruiserweight guy uh he had wrestled a match and asked me if i had any input any you know, feedback. They always ask the old guy. So here I am. Uh, the vet. And yeah, and, and he asked me, what do you think? Should I slow down? Should I do more? Should I do this? And my answer was, I don't know. I, if you watch a TV, it's ideally not what I like to watch. I don't like watching quick strikes and no, what in wrestling we call selling, where you register a punch or a kick. It's very, very quick, fast pace. But that's what's selling right now. And it's working, so although I don't like it, am I out, out of touch? I don't know. What I like is I like, honestly, like early to mid-90s cruiserweight styles. If you watch an A.D. Guerrero versus Malenko, you had your high spots, but they brought it down. They had great holds. They had, you know, they nice told transitions, story. reversals. They told a story, and that's just what I love to watch, and that doesn't make it right or wrong. So... I said, this is what I prefer. I think this tells a better story, but I'm also out of touch with what's going on. And I admit that I, I don't know because I, I watch that style. It's, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it, it, those fans, they're tuning in to see it. So yeah. it's, it's hot right now. So I'm, I'm probably just wrong. I, I don't know. They're My, very talented, but I, I like old school. Yeah, the yeah. athleticism is on. Yeah, it's amazing. An amazing plane, and I, I would just prefer to see more registering, more strikes where the guy actually makes like it hurts them, and it's just not boom, 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 and yeah. they're going on to the next spot. I'm, I'm dating myself here too, but I know everyone at the table will know who I'm talking about. I can name a guy who is over, like over, meaning just the he had the crowd in the palm of his hands. Never once did a high spot in his life. Ever. I don't even think he's been to the second rope, but told a story in every single match. His interviews and promos were killer. Jake the Snake Roberts. Absolutely. That, from the time that he walked Jake. through the curtain, you remember Jake yeah, the Snake? I do. Come on. By the time, through the time that he walked through the curtain 
and got into the ring. He was in, like, he told the story from the walk down to the ring all throughout the match. Never had to do a high spot. Never had to do shit. But his promos, he never raised his voice when he did a promo. Like me, I'm in the car screaming to people <laughs> to, to get people's attention. He would almost whisper his shit, and he got over. So he made you believe it. He definitely made you believe it. Now, in 2019, could a guy like Jake the Snake get over these days? The way that wrestling has evolved now with everybody's doing flips. you got 300-pound motherfuckers doing flips. you got Brock Lesnar doing shooting star presses off the, uh, off the top rope. He lands on his head most of the time, but he's still doing that. Could a guy like Jake the Snake or that type of style, uh, a ravishing Rick Root? Well, no, I don't want to put him in there because Rick Root is, was more of like the macho man where he was bang, 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 move, 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 move. Could Jake the Snake or someone in that uh, class get over these days, do you think? I think anybody can get over if they're allowed to. Uh, I think if you, you put Jake out there, old Jake, if, if you could take Jake from... The late 1980s, early 1990s, put him out there and have his same punches, his short clotheslines, the look he put on his face, the way he talked, I think people would get people. And if the person that he was wrestling against sold his stuff the right way, like if Jake gave you that jab or that short clothesline, and if you popped right up, you know what, the short clothesline's dead. Yeah. But if that person gave him the respect to sell his moves and hypothetically, if Jake knew how to take the other guy's moves. You know, we're also talking about if Jake was here now, we, we would have to put him with a guy with a modern style, so you're meshing styles. Right. But if, hypothetically, if Jake could take all these new guys' moves and the new guys would sell Jake stuff appropriately, I think it could work. Did you ever work Jake? Because I know later on he started doing like a lot of like the more local shows and stuff like that. Did you ever work with? Never got to work Jake. Okay. Unfortunately, I think it would have been awesome. Would have been an honor, but unfortunately, never got to work with him. Yeah. Wow. That's that's crazy, Joe. I know you. You gave me earlier today. You said that you. I have some fan questions that I want to get into too. But uh, I know you had some things that you wanted to ask. Well, before I ask the questions, don't you want to know how Jeanette and I both got into wrestling? Oh, yes, we do. And so does Crowbar, of course. How did you get into wrestling? Please. <laughs> Jeanette, since I'm a gentleman, why don't you go first? Oh, my God. Nine o'clock in the morning on Saturdays, it was always on. I like to sleep, but I got my ass up and I watched it. And that was probably either Superstars or Wrestling Challenge, Challenge. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I sat there with my brother, and we watched it, and he would, you know, throw me around and whatever, but... Give you a short clothesline? My very first time at a show, I, I uh, was there. I was with my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. I was, like, maybe 10 years old, and Hulk Hogan came out. And everybody stands up. Like, they get all excited. I stood up, all excited, and this... I mean, he was probably smaller. In in my head, he was like a six foot five black guy. Pat me on the back and said, "Sit down. I can't see." Damn. My mom, five foot two, this little thing. <laughs> she turns and she looks at me and she's like, "What are you doing?" Because I'm all like 
<laughs> I sat my ass down. You were scared. Yeah, yeah. no. And and she, I'm like, he told me to sit down. She turned, my dad was clueless. He had no idea what was going on. She turned around. She screamed at him. And his wife or girlfriend was like, you talked to that little girl? You told her to sit down? And she went off on him. And then he sat down and he was just like this the whole time. And from... Hulk Hogan. But did you miss your Hulk Hogan moment? Like your your chance to make eye contact with, with Hogan? No, I was too far away. Oh, you were too My far mom away. was probably scarier than him, but yeah, no. Okay. I loved wrestling. Gotcha. I loved it. All right. So who were besides Hogan, who do you remember being like one of your favorites or some of your favorites back then? Jimmy Superfly Schnucka. Okay. Uh Ma- Macho Man. Macho Man, of course. Well, I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to pretend I was Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. We try to get her to pretend <laughs> that she's Elizabeth sometimes, but she does. <laughs> MBJ, for those of you listening to uh, to the podcast back or the live stream back, uh, MBJ is in the house as well. She's sitting on the couch hey. listening to the show. <laughs> um, but Joey, so go ahead. Let's let's learn about how you got into wrestling because I know you were a little bit later. Than us, you're you're more in like the uh, the Stone Cold Rock era of wrestling, right? Bret Hart, Yokozuna, that time. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, let's see if I could remember the date. I think it was <laughs> May twenty third, nineteen ninety two. Wow. Yes, it was Superstars, and I've told you this story before. It was Papa Shango uh, cursing Ultimate Warrior. And I remember I was nine years old, and I thought he was dead. Yes. And I, <laughs> I was, like, that. scared. So I think uh, when you're talking about wrestling, like, what makes wrestling good to me, I don't honestly care about the matches. I mean, I'm more of, like, a – what's the right word for, like, I watch it, then I don't watch it. I need a story. You're a casual fan, but yeah, if there's but I, a if story there's a that's going to intrigue you enough, you'll sit there and watch it. Yes. So, like, the art of wrestling – I don't so much care for as much as a storyline. Like Floyd Mayweather sells fights with a story. Right. Conor McGregor sells fights mm. with a story. I was interested in that. I was interested in Macho Man, Hulk Hogan. And then after that, I didn't watch it for a little while. And then I got back into it with Stone Cold, Bret Rock. Hart. I remember uh, I, you know, the Owen Hart thing. I remember all that stuff. Like I used to watch it a lot. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I British Bulldog. All that error, but my first memories is, is that. That's literally the first thing I remember. So 1992, I was nine years old. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I, I thought you were a little bit older. I thought you were into, like, that Stone Cold Rock era. That's when I was, like, hardcore. Like, my friends and I would, like, fight. We had a trampoline, and, like, that was where we had our <laughs> wrestling matches. Gotcha. Uh, and, like, I, I at the time, I was Vince McMahon. Everyone was somebody different, which actually turned out right. I mean, I am kind of like... Vince McMahon is jacked. Yeah. Or was uh, And no, I remember like Sable, like the... Dude, I remember tuning in because I said she was going to be topless. I was like ready for it. She had the fingerprints. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Dude, I was dying. That whole error, like the attitude error, I guess they call it. Yeah. Which is when I was really into it. Like I said, my original memories were early 90s. But when I was into it, into it was that time. All the women were fighting, the lingerie matches, like, that, dude, how could you not watch that? And now it's just totally different. Like, they can't do that anymore. Yeah. It's just different times. I mean, and when you think about it, Vince McMahon, 
would write like I mean he owns the whole thing right right so he's writing himself into scripts where like he's in the in the rig with like these girls jumping on him like what a dream yeah he sent me a YouTube clip of uh, where Vince McMahon was sitting in the ring with the, there was like a table and Stacy Keebler was standing like on top of the it. table like doing a strip tease and Vince he was McMahon like falls I mean over. he's like Hugh Hefner like he gets to do yeah. whatever he wants now I watched another video where he wasn't like shed in the greatest light and I didn't really realize any of that stuff as a casual fan yeah. um did you know and i'm sure you do i never even knew why they changed the name from wwf to wwe it yeah. was because of like that the panda yeah, like wildlife lawsuit yeah with World wildlife yeah, i did yeah. not know that so I, I watched like a 10 minute video it was uh that guy oliver something he does he's got a talk show and it's on hbo or something um, John Oliver, maybe. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was like a 10 minute segment he did on wrestlers that were upset with how they're treated after wrestling. Yeah, that, that was, actually made its rounds on YouTube. That was trending for a while. Like everybody had, did you see that? It was like a 10, I've, 12 minute piece. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I heard about it. I yeah. kind of know the gist of it. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's really interesting. You sent me that, and you yeah. told me to watch it. They were it. like it's basically really comparing it to like that. They say like in the NFL, you're treated like shit after you retire. You know, a lot of these guys have like brain aneurysms and all sorts of crazy stuff. Right. And they were saying wrestling is like even worse than that as far as the WWE is concerned, because there's like there's no like retirement setup. There's even like in the contracts from when I was reading, it was like they're co- in, they're like contractors. They don't even like work for yeah. the you're, WWE. You're independent contractor. Contractor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like 1099, a... 10.99, baby, let's go. Yeah, but that's like a, 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 a legal scam almost where like they're not held accountable for their actions. At least that's how I interpret it. But it was really interesting. I watched it, but from the whole point it was making the internet was because a lot of people are defending wrestlers feeling like they should either be like unionized or whatever the case is, so there's more support once they're done wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely anybody out there that's into wrestling, if like if you're hardcore into it, definitely watch that piece on YouTube. It's really good. Uh, two quick super chats I want to get into. Uh, Christian Flores, of course, Christian is going to be off topic here. He says, take it in the butt or have to do CrossFit. I'll take it up the butt. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Um, Fox and Raven Entertainment says uh, $6.15 dono. Thank you, Fox and Raven. It says, we would have made y'all a WCW game, but they only got WWE, so it's still glorious. Um, yeah, no, we, we saw that. that one of the the, uh, the bros that listens to the uh, podcast and watch the live stream, they created characters on uh, I, I whatever. I saw it. it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty cool and pretty spot on, too. They have all the, all the bros. Um, have you ever made it to a video game? Are you in any games? WCW Backstage Assault. Okay. Which <laughs> I love playing video games. I don't have that all that much time to do it often. When I do, it's usually some sort of a Star Wars game. I'm a big Star Wars geek. Yep, yep. Uh, but getting on a video game was probably one of the highlights of my whole career. Unfortunately, it was probably the worst wrestling video game I ever, ever made. I have heard that is the worst game ever made. Okay. <laughs> Let me start by saying, okay, ready? It's a wrestling game with wrestlers. There's not one wrestling ring in the entire game. It's all right. like hardcore it's, shit. It's all hardcore. So you fight in the parking lot. You fight in the bathroom. You fight in the production studio. So they're making up all these environments for these wrestling characters on the screen to fight on. You already have the graphic for a ring. Throw a ring in there. Just yeah. just throw it in there. And, it's, and it was... 
I played it because I was on it and I had to unlock myself. But I, I was playing until I playing, playing, playing until I finally got myself. And I was telling myself the whole time, oh, this is great. Where deep, deep down that inner voice is telling me how badly this game sucked. Yeah. But I had to get myself unlocked. But uh, it's all in all, I still made a game, still pretty cool. Uh, although it is probably the worst ever video wrestling game made. You have action figures too, right? You No. No action figures. Lots of customs that fans have made of me and they have sent to me, which is very flattering and great, but I've never had an action figure. Wow. I thought they were big. I thought WCW, especially around that time, was so big on toys and action figures and stuff. They had a few action figures of like the top guys, but you know, like Crowbar wasn't going to get an action figure. Now, I know we're going to be bouncing. Although I will will totally say it would be pretty cool if someone made a David Daphne and Crowbar three-pack. Oh, hey, you guys out there, for all you 30,000 motherfuckers out there that are listening, somebody has the talent to make uh, to make some action figures. And uh, make sure, you know, you uh, you get it over to me, and I will get it over to Crowbar 100%. <laughs> Speaking of talent, did you see uh, our friend who's usually in the chat, Fox and Raven? Yeah. They put us in the new WWE. We were just talking about that, Joe. Where, where have you been? <laughs> really? Were you daydreaming about Wendy's or something? <laughs> We wow. just talked about that. Bro, yeah, well, I'm kind of multitasking. Well, while, while we're talking to you, Joe, Damian McCoy super chats. He says, Joey, what did you think of old school Undertaker? Just give us a quick uh I was rundown. petrified of him. Okay. Petrified. And then I remember then later on Kane came in uh, and I was petrified of him. Dude, they were monsters. You know what's crazy, though? I never went to a, like an actual event. Other than once I started going with you. Right. But I never went, and I always wanted to go. I always used to talk it about so, it. It's so fun. Yeah. The energy no. is crazy. I know. I can imagine. Because you know that everyone there is, like, dedicated. What did you think of The Undertaker? Because he was he a big deal. He scared the shit out of me. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember massive. Undertaker. His I'm eyes roll my, up yes, in his head. Yes. Dun, I'm like, oh, shit. Showing my age, I remember The Undertaker as me, Mark Callis, when yes. he was uh, tagging with, uh, was it Sid Vicious or Danny Spivey? Where Danny they were, Spivey. Danny Spivey, where they were the Twin Towers or whatever yeah. the hell they called themselves. But even before that, he was in, like, Memphis, wrestling in, like, Jeff Jarrett's, pro- yeah. uh, not Jeff Jarrett, uh, Jerry Lawler's Jerry promotion. Lawler's, yeah. Uh, as I forget what name he was using, but he was a scary dude. I remember Sid Vicious was down there. They put him in like a Jason mask. Yeah. But that's that's really, really old school. So uh, one of the questions that we had, and I, I told Crowbar this before we started the show. I said, this interview is going to be all over the place. We're going to ask questions about 2000. Then we're going to go back to 1990. Then we're going to go all over. But one of the bros, um, Steve Worthington, actually, a uh, good friend of the of, of the program, wants to know about your experience at Iron Mike Sharp School. And um, for anybody out there, because I know Steve has went through the uh, the process of going through wrestling school and becoming a, a independent wrestler. I don't know how much he's doing it anymore, but... Can you tell us, first of all, experiences on Iron Mike Sharp School, and then secondly, how does someone who sees wrestling on TV and is like, shit, this is what I want to do, what's the best avenue to go become a professional wrestler? Yeah, well, Iron Mike Sharp School is actually a cool story. I was actually Iron Mike Sharp's first student oh, ever, okay. uh, and it was kind of cool how it came to pass. Uh, my sister was married... But to some dude, she got divorced from him. But his brother worked at some factory near where we lived. And he knew at that time I had, I'd become a huge 
wrestling fan. I started watching wrestling early, just like everybody here. Mm -hmm. And then it was getting to the point where just being a fan was not enough. At, at that time, there were very few options for wrestling schools. You had the Monster Factory, which was about a two-hour drive. And, you know, the, you, of course, you had Canada and places like this. So it was hard to find a place to go. Uh, my sister's former brother-in-law, I guess we'll call him, okay. uh, worked in a factory. And near the factory, there was a bicycle repair shop. And in that repair shop, a guy worked. His name was Tom Rumsby. And uh, he was talking about how he was going to open up a wrestling school with Iron Mike Sharp. So at that time, I was probably 15. I walked about two miles down to this place, went in, met Tom Rosby. He told me he's planning on opening up a wrestling school the following year with Mike Sharp. And that was it. I knew that that was my in. I, everything was going through my head. It was so hard to find a school. I, I was meant to know this guy that knew this guy, and here's my in. So uh, that summer when school let out, I worked as a, a busboy at a catering hall called The Landmark. Okay. Uh, worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, saved all my money up for Iron Mike Sharp School. And then when I was 17, I, I, was, I, I went down there, joined Iron Mike Sharp School, and uh, uh, we went on from there, and and the school itself. I mean, it was it was in a strip mall down in Brick, New Jersey. Okay, uh, it was a tiny ring about maybe two feet off off the ground, kind of old, beat up ring, hard as hell. Whenever you fell on it, it felt like you broke your back. Damn. But and uh, you, you know, you're always in this thing where you, you don't want to tell people how much you enjoy something, especially if you're in the wrestling business. Even even now, you know, don't let them know how much you enjoy this. It's a business. It's this, it's that. Stepping in a wrestling ring for the first time was, no joke, one of the most fucking incredible things in my entire life. Walking through ropes, getting to hit a rope, and get walk into a real wrestling ring with a guy that I had watched on TV weekend after weekend after weekend. And uh, it, it was just an incredible experience. It was me and a handful of other guys Mike Sharp was Mike Sharp. You know, if you go to a wrestling school today, and there's a lot of them, there's a lot of different wrestling schools, some good, some okay, but guys go in there, they wear whatever sweats or like long tights and a t-shirt or a tank top. Mike Sharp got in his ring gear. Okay. Black he, short tights. Did he put on the, the forearm thing? <laughs> black short tights, wrestling boots. Forearm thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oiled up like he was going out in a garden, and he trained us like that. Did he grunt? Absolutely, yes. Do you remember Iron Mike Sharp? No. Okay. Iron Mike Sharp, for those of you who don't know, he, 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 was, he was on TV every time WWF had something. He was... I say a well-known enhancement guy. Definitely. That's, that's what I want to say. He and definitely wasn't a, a, a main eventer, but he had... He was the guy that would grunt from start to finish in the match. He would just, ah, and he had on the, uh, it was Forearm like a plate. Support. Yeah. yeah, and he used to say the the heel announcer, there would always be a baby face and then a heel announcer. And the heel announcer would always say that it was some kind of injury and the baby face that announcer. That forever. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, okay, so Iron Mike Sharp School. What does something like that cost you back then? At that time, I, I was the first student, and they, they were just trying to get money to open up the doors. So it, it was $1,500 at the time. 
1500 dollars. Wow. Yeah. And this is back in what? Early I'd say ninety one. Okay, early nineties. Wow, 90s. that's a lot. That's I was a, a junior in high I was a junior in high school. That is a lot of money. Wow. So But I knew I wanted to do it and you know that was it. I, I spent the whole summer doing doubles Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that would be your recommendation for someone who wants to get in the business, definitely go to some kind of school. Well, how else are you going to learn? But do your research, find a school, yeah. and, and dedicate yourself Dedicate yourself and pay your dues, get in shape, that, all that good shit, right? There's a lot of good schools. You know, definitely go to a reputable school. I, uh, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of good ones in New Jersey. I'm a big fan of the... Wrestle Pro School in Rahway. If you're down South Jersey, Monster Factory is awesome. Yep. Uh, like it all depends on your location. People ask me which school, and I usually say if it's reputable and good, depending on where it is, you want to pick a school that you're going to realistically get there to train, not once a week, but like two, three, four, five days a week. You, know, you, you want to find a school that if it's a half hour away from you and you could get there that many days a week, go there long as it's, you know, good trainers and, you know, stuff like that. One of the uh, the guys from the Monster Factory that we met at one of the Wildcat shows that uh, that Luke Hawks was putting on in the ECW arena, I think it was the first time we met. Yeah. Uh, the guy, Nick Com- Camarado, uh, the freak beast. Yes. Big guy, looked like Bruiser Brody. Dude, he just yeah. got signed to uh, NXT. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, Monster Factory, there you go. That's uh that's a really good school to go to, and I definitely have heard of that all my life. I think, didn't Steve Carino or someone else come out of that school? I'm not sure. Some, some other pretty big names. Well, Danny uh, does an awesome job. Uh, like me and Jim, like Danny, <laughs> we joust all the time on Facebook. We have a lot of fun, but he he knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. Nice, nice guy. You know, and, and I'm saying if you're up in northern New Jersey, Wrestle Pro School is awesome. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So let's skip around a little bit and now because I'm really intrigued with this ECW thing. Okay. Because that's what got me back into wrestling is the ECW, the Sabus, the Devin Storms, the uh, you know the uh, the Rob Van Dams, the Mikey Whipwrecks. Just seeing the, the crazy, even New Jack. New Jack didn't know how to do a wrestling move to save his life, but he was entertaining because yes. of the gimmick, all the crazy stuff, all he did. the crazy stuff. Now, from everything that you hear. Uh, back then, um, you never knew whether or not you were getting paid. Is, was there any issues with like getting paid by ECW or every time you were supposed to get a paycheck, you got it? As far as I go, okay. I know there was a lot of issues. There were issues that existed with guys getting paid. I, I was there for approximately a year. Okay. And I can honestly say for the year that I, I was there, my checks cleared and I never had an issue, an issue with money. Those okay. problems seemed, seemed to come up more after I had left. Okay. All right, cool. And how was how was that locker room? I know probably every time you go into a new locker room, it's always like... Honestly, I I gained a lot of experience there. Uh, they hated me. <laughs> they, did they really? I did not fit in at all Why? at the ECW locker room. Well, a lot of those, they were extreme wrestlers. They were extreme characters in and out of the ring. They were hungry. Uh, they, they were trying to make it or just build their own product. I come in there. Uh, I had done some WCW stuff, but I'm showing up in these locker rooms and I'm unpacking my bags and I'm studying for exams the next week where everybody else is either watching the screen or they're getting ready to tear, tear it up when the show's done. You know, 
go to the bar, do this, do that. And I, I was pretty much a quiet guy. I really kept to myself. Never really got focus. into this. Yeah, that's good. And real and really never got into the politics of going out and hang, like going out hanging, partying with the right guys. It hurt me wrestling wise there because everybody freaking hated me. And you know, saying who's like who the fuck is this guy? You know, there with the books. You know, we should. You know what I mean? And but later on in life, it totally paid off. Uh, but I stuck it out for about a year. Gained experience, learned a lot about the wrestling business. and uh, But for me, socially and being there was not the best experience. Who did you, you say people hated you, but you had to have like at least one bro that was there. Anybody that you hung Little Guido with? and okay. who, who I'm still very tight with. And I actually met two guys there that are like family. And that would be Dan Andy Doring and Roadkill. Uh, oh, awesome. We still hang out and, you know, they're not blood, but they're family. Yeah, yeah, And And uh, those are three guys that I was able to take from ECW and they're still very much in uh, my family's life right now, actually. So. Awesome. Awesome. So I can see that. ECW being like, it was almost like they were like the third... They were like the third federation. You had your WWF, WCW back then, and those were like the quote-unquote big time. And ECW was like, you know, you always heard that Todd Gordon or Paulie, whoever, they were always in cahoots with WCW, like trying to trade talent and this and that, try to get, you know, make money off of uh, sending guys up there. But getting to... WWF or WCW is probably something that was always on your mind. Of course. Even back then, because that was the big time. Now, back then, did you have a preference of where you got to, or what did it matter? It didn't matter. Okay. I just wanted to make it, and I kept plugging and kept, you know, just kept grinding towards it. And I knew ECW, I gave it a good year. And I said, let me stick it out. Maybe I'll have an opportunity to, to prove myself. Maybe the guys will come around and, you know, see how serious I, I am about this. Just didn't happen. And my last match there was against Balls Mahoney. Yep. And it was his first match where he was kind of doing like a gay biker gimmick at, at first. And and I basically, I had a, a glorified squash match where he basically humped my head for his finish. So I rolled outside the ring and, and I had known that that was going to be the deal. And I had liked John a lot. I, I knew Mike from, uh, John from Iron, Mike Sharps, crazy guy, but just a good guy. And I knew that that was his first shove there, his first push. And nor normally I would have said to hell with this, I'm out of here, but I wanted him to have that first, I wanted to do that for him before I left. Right. And uh, at that point, I know this isn't going to get any, any better. And like a lot of things during my life, they didn't see my potential there. Through life, guidance counselors didn't see my potential to do the, the physical therapy, wrestling. Girls didn't want to date me, this and that. I've, I've always gone under the principle by, fuck you, I'll show you. Yeah. I, I've always used that as fuel. So I left ECW, kept working hard, and then... One thing led to the other. I uh, had an, op an opportunity doing the WWF light heavyweight division. Yep, did the first I remember tournament. that. Uh, Takamichinuku. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then that was short-lived for a while. And then uh, I actually started doing shows here or there. Spot shows. WWE, fly in there, fly in there. 
WCW fly in or there. And then I actually grabbed a job full time as a physical therapist at a hospital. I said, I have to start making some cash here. I'll still pursue the wrestling, but I need to start making some cash. And then about a year later, Dallas Page got me my first full time contract with with uh, WCW. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do remember hearing that. And that's why it was a little awkward to have Kimberly Page, uh, Dallas's ex <laughs> ex wife now, right? I, I think believe. so. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah. In that, in that, uh, in the FMK in the beginning of the show, but yeah, and that's uh, dude. That's with anything in life. You just I, that's my attitude. Like, oh, you don't think I'm going to make it? Fuck you. I'm going to make it. I'm just going to keep fucking grinding until I make it. Um, and just getting back real quick to the ECW, you said everybody in the locker room hated you. I was going to ask you, did anybody? In any of the federations, could could you name anybody who was just, like, the biggest prick to you? Like, just big-time you, like, wouldn't give you the time of day? Like, anybody that... People hated you, but did anybody stick out? Like, what a dick. Well, like, at ECW, Taz hated... He hated me, and that's well-documented. He's a uh, fucking dick. <laughs> no, but... Actually, no, but here... Remember Taz? Oh, we have a super chat. Okay, go ahead. No, finish your thought, Taz. Yeah. So anyway, he hated me back then. We've had words back and forth here and there. But all in all now, I'm 45. I don't know how old Taz is. We've talked. We've chatted. We all grow up. And I see Taz now, and we're totally cool. He's cool with me, and I'm cool with him. You all get out of that ultra-testosterone zone, and you grow up, you have families, you have lives, and, you know, it's, it's just not worth it. So that's actually something where... Wrestling-wise, he friggin' hated me, and I hated him because he hated me. Yeah. And just years later, it's just gone now. So it's, you know. That's He's 51 always, years old. Taz is 51. It's always what I've heard about him is uh, in all the different, you know, I'm obsessed with the shoot interviews and stuff on YouTube. And people say that he, back then anyway, he believed his own gimmick. Like, he really thought that he was this, like, fucking hardcore uh, suplex machine badass from Red Hook, you know? And uh, maybe he was. Who knows? But, I, you know, I don't know. Have you ever seen him fight in real life? Has he Never ever seen gotten any tussles no. in the back? He was born in Brooklyn. Yeah, he was Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, Chris Chetty was, like, his cousin or something. Yep. I, I remember Yeah, that, that is. And his real name is Peter. So, <laughs> Did you know that? Peter I, I didn't know that. So uh, a quick story that I have, and it's it's a wrestler that big-timed me back in the day. Not that she big-timed me, but I was in the Woodbridge Mall. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar or yes, not. Yes, I am. And this is back when I first started driving. I was like 95, I guess, 96. And I was walking in the mall with my friend Milton, who you know very well, and we were both huge wrestling fans. And who walks past us? Sonny. From, you know, Chris Candido's ex-wife, girlfriend, whatever. Um, And uh, we were so starstruck. It was the first time that I ever, like, saw someone famous. She was on TV at that time. She was doing ECW, I guess. Just got into WWE. Maybe that was a little bit later. But I definitely knew who she was. So did Milton. And... We followed her around from store to store. I can still picture this. Neither (laughs) one of us had the balls. It's stalked. Neither one of us had the balls to go up and just ask for a picture. or th- There wasn't pictures back then because there weren't cell phone cameras. Nah. Like, unless you were walking around with a camera or a disposable camera. <laughs> but back then it was autograph. You know, could I have your autograph? You'd write on a napkin or something. But um, finally, we got the courage to go up to her. Now, I know who the fuck Sonny is, okay? I, was, I forget if it was me or Milton, but we were like, hey, um, 
are, are you Sonny? You know, people, you know it's her, but you always say, are you Sonny? Are you Sonny? Says, nope. And then we were like devastated and we were like, Aww, wait a you minute. You do uh, that. You do that sometimes. Sometimes, but then I always say I'm joking. Yeah, I true. never leave anybody hanging. Yeah. People come up to me and be like, are you Robert Frank? Because I guess, I don't know, maybe they don't think I'm really me or. But I'll, a lot of times I'll be like, no, no, I'm not him. I just look like him. And then they like look confused and I say, no, I'm just kidding, man. And then I shake <laughs> their hand and we do pictures or whatever they want. But she said no. And then like we were both devastated. Like, and then she walked away? That was it? She and then no? we tried a second time. So we stalked her again for like two, three more stores. <laughs> and then she was outside of this one store. And you could tell that she was really getting frustrated. And we were like, are you sure? She was like, I said no. And then walked uh, away. And I was like, God that's damn. That's not nice. This bitch. But um, yeah, I've, I've seen her on some interviews lately. And she is not looking good. Do you remember, Sonny? I was just going to say, if it makes you feel any better, based yeah. on some pictures on the internet. She's does not look. She's and she is only now. in her 40s. Do you remember her in her prime, though? I, I actually was going to say, like, I mean... When I had uh, actually before WCW and after WCW, I had the opportunity. Uh, Dina worked with me, my wife, as okay. a, a manager, and we worked against Sonny and Chris a lot. Wow! And loved what Chris was so talented. When Tammy's on, she was so on, but uh, she's just not doing so hot right now. Yeah. But uh, so- as far as wrestling goes, some of my best memories match wise are with the two of them. Now, where uh, was that? Was uh, that- just, Independent shows. Independent, and, okay. And we had one or two matches on uh, WCW as well. Okay. It, with uh, That would be me with Daphne against Chris and Okay, Tammy. so you were... Okay, so this is when you were doing the crowbar thing with yeah, Daphne. Yeah, Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so I, I couldn't believe it that she... Yeah, but now it's... Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Brendan chimes in with a super chat. $10 dono. Thank you, Brendan. Says, great podcast, Robert and crew. Quick question for Crowbar. Yes. Best piece of professional career advice you could give. I'm 24 and in finance, so unrelated, but still looking to step up my game and improve. Thanks, guys. So I'm guessing that he wants... uh, Is he going to pursue pro wrestling? Yeah, are you pursuing professional wrestling or are you doing finance or both? So, yeah, I guess we got to get clarification, but... We already established if you want to get into wrestling, find a school, reputable school, do your research. That's huge. And I, I tell every young guy that ever ever asked me, sometimes you could see it actually registers, another time it goes in and out one ear. I always tell somebody like myself, always have something to be backed up on. Yeah. Uh, I love wrestling, uh, but as far as it's, it's not a very stable business. You could be signed in on top. One month and the next month you're gone, and that's it. Uh, I love this business so much, and uh, everybody laughs. Oh, you you can't say that. You sound like a Mark. Just that. At this stage of my career, I don't give a shit. I fucking love wrestling. I I fucking love wrestling when I was 17 years old. I loved it when I was 10 years old. I love it now. But because I created a situation where I got a degree that I was like able to do physical therapy and open a business. While I did the wrestling, WCW ended. I tried to get into WWE. Didn't happen. Did independence for a while. Nothing seemed to be going. Pushing, banging on the doors. Sometimes the doors don't open. So right. it was time to move on, transition out of pro wrestling, become full-time physical therapist, part-time weekend pro wrestler. 
I'm 45 now, and I wrestle because I, I want to. It's my own choice, and it's on my own terms. Right. If So if you do pursue wrestling, if you have something else to fall back on, it's going to empower you to where you'll always be able to do it, whether it's for a little bit of money, whether it's a lot of money. You could do it if it's something that makes you happy just because you don't have to pay the bills with it. I feel like that's not how it usually is, though. That's great that it's like that for you, but I feel like A that's lot of not... these guys never had a plan B, and no. I don't want to call no. it plan B, but th- they never had a backup plan. I don't want to say plan B. We were talking in the kitchen. Yeah. When you say you have a plan B, it's almost like you're expecting your dream to fail. But no one has a backup plan just in case of that. And you see a lot of wrestlers, uh, old school wrestlers that are still alive, um, just in really bad shape uh, health-wise, financially. Uh, I remember fucking Perry Saturn, who I was the biggest mark of back in the day. He's Last I saw, I haven't kept up with it lately, but he was in super bad shape and because really didn't have like a backup plan. We were talking before, I'm a huge fan of Arnold's motivational stuff where yeah. he, he says, have a vision, think big, ignore the naysayers, work your ass off, which is huge, and give back. Right. Uh, and an, another thing he says is don't have the plan B because that's admitting you're going to fail. Right, right. That's easy for him to say because he's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. You know what I mean? He's, right. he is, but know what? And I agree with all everything he says, but... Not everybody's going to be Arnold. Not everybody's going to be The Rock. Not everybody's going to be Stone Cold. You might be Crowbar that was with WCW for just under three years, made a little bit of money, and then had to move on to something else. You have to have that something else. And then, you know what? Maybe you you disappear for almost 20 years, and then you decide to start dicking around with wrestling again, and here I am. When you were with WCW and when you were doing the Crowbar thing and you were on top, and bro, you were over. You're like Thank you. you were you were definitely entertaining. What was the uh, what was the road schedule like back then? Because I you always hear WWF. You know it's three hundred and fifty. What what is it? How many days in a year? Three fifty five. Three sixty five. Three sixty five. I don't know. I'm, six five. Yeah, three six five. You always hear about the WWF schedule being like three hundred days a year. Like you're on the road and you're doing this and wrestling all these shows. What was WCW like back then when you were? On TV every Monday for Nitro, every Thursday for Thunder, every, you know, if they were still doing Saturday night shows, you were on a lot of the pay-per-views. What was that schedule like? When you were being used, like, you know, like, I, I, I was there, I, but I wasn't like a top, top guy. It was not a Sting, wasn't a Nash, wasn't a Scott Steiner. Those guys went a lot. But if I, if I was in a period where my character was being used a lot, yeah, you would be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do house shows, you know, and pro- forgot about the house. Shows. My wow. longest loop was probably a month and a half straight. Then there were times when they just weren't doing anything with my character, and I could be off for a month, a month and a half, and you would so, still get paid. Yeah, so for okay. me personally, you know, it, it it was either or because I, you know, I was there as a character, but I wasn't one of those top top guys that was always on. Now, since we are a pseudo-fitness slash comedy show, an entertainment show, I got to get into the working out part. Okay. Because you're on the road, you're on the, you know, if you're being used, like you said, where do you find time to hit the gym, get your meals in, do everything that you have to do? Is it like, because the 
let me start over. I'm like tripping over my words. With the amount of traveling that we do, just doing the Robert Frank thing now, mm. we're in hotels all over the place. Sure. Whether we're staying in Ohio, we're in California, we're here, we're there. Hotel gyms suck. Mm. Like, if you could find dumbbells that go up to 30 in a hotel gym, that's a lot. How are you guys, you personally, and, and all the other guys staying in shape and getting your meals in and looking the part on the road? At, at that time, you know, when I was new, you would latch on to a guy that had been around for a while, and they would know where all the gyms were in each town. Okay, so you, know, you would do so, the So gyms. the guys would go to a town, Chicago, and there's this gym, this gym, or this gym, this gym might charge the guys, <laughs> this gym might not charge the guys, whatever. The veterans, the guys that, that had been there before, would know where to go if you wanted to work out. There were some towns out in, you know, like bumfuck the Midwest, where all you had was with the hotel gym. Yeah. And, and if it was bad enough, you're doing push-ups and squats and just trying to get something in. Okay. All right. And, and, and the meals were... At the time, time for me personally, a lot of Myoplex, if you remember that. Oh, and, I remember uh, Myoplex. Uh, those really dry metrics bars. Yeah. Dry yeah. as hell. Uh, and and you would try to get, you know, one or two good meals in a day. But a, a, a lot of it for me personally was actually the supplements, you know, just getting by. Okay. Now, when you say any kind of like super supplements, any gear or anything like that back then... No, it was just really the Myoplex just meal the mile replacement okay. shakes, you know, like 40 grams, protein, low carbs, and that was a meal. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I have a question. Did you have a lot of groupies, like when you would go hey, to these Hey, I had that question. <laughs> <laughs> Were they like all over the place? Were they- People are going to call bullshit on this, but uh, it's actually a really true story. I was actually involved in actually a serious, serious relationship at the time when I was signed, and... I actually took that very, very, very seriously. Good for you. So I really didn't screw around. I've s- seen a lot of crazy stuff, uh, you know, going on in locker rooms and hotel rooms and stuff like that. But I really didn't partake in any stuff. And God's honest truth, it was uh, I, I was with this woman for about four and a half years, and uh, yeah, we just uh, I didn't mess around. Wow. But did you find Good that like you. girls would travel from like? Oh, absolutely. There, there, there were these two. Their names escape me. But if Nitro was in Miami one week, they were there. If they were in Colorado the next week, they're, they're like, "How are they paying for this? How are they here?" Mm. They were. What's the term? Ring rats? Is, yeah. Isn't that yes. the, the term? That's what they call them. That's ring. yeah, ring rat. They're they're and the they would travel and they travel. would just. But to a rational guy like me, I'm saying. Like I'm doing the math. How the hell are you paying for this? Yeah. How are you getting from Colorado to Miami? Like someone, just, someone must have a huge inheritance or paying or them something. to come out. They're booty calls, right? Maybe. Well, that could be too. They're I don't definitely know. booty calls. I mean, if I'm loaded, right? Single. Uh, yeah, single. And I'm like a celebrity. Yeah, man. Yeah, but if you I'm know paying, you can get I'll it have, wherever you go because yeah, there's going to be ring rats yeah, everywhere, you, you're not going to want the same. Yeah, but if you're going, if if there's 50 states and you got one for each state, you're just on there, boop, send. Yeah, but they're going all over. Listen, another thing too is back in those days, you didn't have to worry about the cell phone cameras as much. I mean, you didn't have to worry about anything. You can't do that. The only reason, (laughs) the only reason with my wife in the room, the only reason I don't cheat is because I'm afraid of getting caught. (laughs) I'd be banging everything right now if I if I wasn't scared to get caught. So. You he gotta be so, so careful. full of shit. I applaud I just you, sir. I want to put sir. that out there. I, am so I applaud you. 
Damien McCoy uh, leaves us three more super chats that just says these are free super chats. So thank you, Damien McCoy. Aww. And I miss one from our man Zach G, one of the mods up in the house. He says six dollar and fifteen cent dono. Thank you. He says I'm surprised Joey didn't mention this, but Sonny is now in porn. So so I don't want to keep interrupting, but I I do. I have Wikipedia in front of me, <laughs> and yes, I'm aware of that. Uh, some crimes she's committed. There's a, a whole bunch of stuff on All here. Right, that so she's she has done. something to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, based on what she's looking like currently, uh-huh. no one's watching that video. Not even me. So, yeah, unfortunately, she's not doing too well. Probably gonna have to lose about a hundred pounds. Before yeah, right Joey now. Yeah. Uh, Noah Souter with a five dollar dono. Thank you, Noah. He says, "Hey, Jack Man with the permanent tan is Goldfang looking for any brand ambassadors? Uh, you're gonna have to get with Ray on that. That's Ray's deal. But uh, I see Ray's in the live stream as well. He says, DM Hi, him on Ray. IG. Is so, Ray in Japan currently? Yes. Ray is in Japan right now. A place nice. where Crowbar was for about an hour, and then he, <laughs> not even, not even an hour. Wow. Half hour tops." Ray, get a hookup at the airport for him. Would you do something? Yeah. So one of the questions that the bros had, and I think this is a really good question, and it's up to you if you want to really discuss it or not, but he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of out of all the different industries that are out there and all the different sports, your baseballs, your basketballs, your footballs, professional wrestling somehow, some way has the – the, they're infamous for having the most early deaths. You know, under forty years old. I have I think my own theories. Yes, there there are so it. many. Um, do you think? And I can think of just a lot of my favorites: Kurt Henning, sure, uh, Brian Pillman, Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, well, I um, was sending you one like every yeah, few I, months. Well, the ones that you send me, they they were like your older guys that like Roddy Piper, even though sixty or sixty one, yeah, whatever he was, way too young to die. King Kong Bundy, way too young to die. Nikolai Volkov, I think he was like close to 70, 75, something like that. That's still a little bit too young. But I'm talking about your guys that are like 30 to 40 or even younger. David Von Erich, sure. who passed away at like 27. What? Is it the lifestyle? Is it the drugs? Is it the uh, the travel? Is, what's doing it to these guys that wrestling more than any other sport really is, uh, is having these tragedies. Uh, I will say the new crop of guys, younger crop of guys, appear to have learned a lot from the follies of the guys that came before us. Okay. I broke in when a lot of these guys were still alive that you, you mentioned the Kurt Hennings, the Rick Ruse. And I always thought, what's going on here? Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a real thinking person. So I'm yeah. thinking, why are all these guys dying? Because I'm doing this and I don't want to end up dying. And so you're I'm still thinking, doing it at a high level. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying, what is it? And I think it comes down to that I think athletes in all sports do some kind of partying, whether they go out and have drinks or definitely that generation of wrestlers are into the painkillers more. Uh, and, and I had a very good conversation with Kevin Sullivan and a uh, good, good friend of mine, just let's wing it back. And if you ask him, he said, guys, back in the day, they would go do the show, that they would have a few drinks, maybe smoke some pot, go back to the hotel room, not bother nobody. Then they started to ban pot, which a lot of the guys at that time, that generation of wrestlers were doing. So they had to find a new way to get high. Mm-hmm. So they would 
get hooked up with the doctors and you know we all know the downfalls of the the painkillers now yeah so you add that in to the mix now okay all professional sports i believe at some level the guys go out they tear it up they have fun yeah uh they're seasonal there's baseball season football season basketball season excellent point wrestling is all year round there's no off season now let's bring up the point that wrestling is predetermined a lot of accountability is lost you could go out and party your ass off but if you show up on sunday to a professional and nfl game still messed up you're going to get your head knocked off for sure if me and you were hypothetically two wrestlers and we're on, on let the road together going from town to town to town to town, me and you could get tore up every night if we chose to because we're going to be working each other tomorrow. Oh, Robert, I had a bad freak. Take care of me out there. Don't hurt hurt me and I'll take care of you. We'll get by. So the accountability of being in that poor shape is not there. You could get by. This is just my theory. Uh, it makes total sense Whereas. To me. If you show up banged up to your pro baseball game, your pro hockey game, your pro basketball game, and you can't perform, you're done. Whereas, because it's predetermined and well, worked and all. And, well, yeah. that too, but because it's predetermined, even if you're banged up, you can get around it. You, you might not have the best match, but you're still going to get around it, and your opponent's not going to try to kill you. Right, right. Yeah, so that's my that's... theory. It's just. The fact that it is all all year round, and you literally because of the lack of accountability for that generation of guys. I think the newer generation of guys are on a whole new level, and they've you know they they're avoiding those pitfalls. But you're on on the road full time. There's no off off season, and without that accountability, that if I get really tore up, eh, it's fine. We'll you know we'll work together. We'll work with yeah, each we other. We won't do this spot here. I'm, yeah. I'm really not feeling that one. Yeah, yeah. something like Whereas that. Whereas if you show up at, at an NFL game on let the line of scrimmage and there's a 350-pound lineman in front of you, he's, you're going to get your, rip head, your head, head off. off. Yeah. yeah, That's my theory. Follow-up to that was, out at, at of all the people, unfortunately, who have passed away, who is who are you the closest to? Did, I, did you lose anybody that you were, that was in the business, of course, that is no longer with us? Uh, my family and I knew King Kong Bundy well. He was awesome. Wow. Very, very well. He's from New Jersey. Yep, yep. Uh, Ted Petty, Rocco Rock. I broke in with you know that crew there from Public Enemy there. Yep, yep. Uh, I I was actually his last match. He was doing a double shot. Uh, we had wrestled in Jersey City. We, we did a hardcore match. We had a great time. And I'll never forget this. Uh, we finished our match. He goes, thanks so much. That was the most fun I had in a while. Wrestling hadn't been fun for a while. And then he was driving to a double shot and had a massive heart attack on the turnpike. So I was his last match. Jesus. Yeah. Great guy. Such an awesome guy. And I also think this too, this is, uh, I totally forgot. I actually have a, a note here because it popped into my head. A lot of the guys, unfortunately, that generation of guys, they really didn't go to the doctor a lot, whether it was because they're, like they weren't insured or... A lot of the guys are in the mindset that they're jacked up, so they're still in shape. They got all these muscles and this and that. You, but they're healthy. Yeah. You, you have to check out what's going on with your mm-hmm. blood work, your cholesterol, and all that stuff. A lot of the guys, that generation of guys, just didn't go to the doctor. 
Yeah, my wife is pointing at me because I'm not a doctor guy. I don't want to know what's going on with my buddy. I am I, a complete hypochondriac. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah, yeah she's she's the same too. way. I'm. I would rather not know, and I get that from my dad, who probably is listening to this podcast right now, and he's the same way. He'd ra- if I got something going on, I don't want to fucking know about it. I go to the doctor when it's absolutely necessary, and the times that I will go to a doctor is. If it's like some kind of, I know it's like the flu or a cold or like borderline pneumonia or something like that. Because I know that's like a, a different kind of sickness than if I have some kind of cancer or something going on. If I have that, I don't want to know. And believe me, I put enough shit in my body that I know that something somewhere is fucked up. <laughs> and I just don't want to know about it. But, um... Okay, so, Joey, I know you had some questions. We passed over you before. I do want to get to the sports minute, and I do want to get to Batty with a Fatty before we close out some of the, the rest of these questions that I have for Crowbar. But I know you had some good ones you sent me today. Why don't you hook us up with one? So, well, we already asked the groupies one. I had another question regarding Stephanie McMahon. Uh, have you ever seen her in person, and is she as hot as I believe her to be? Because she's like, she looks like the next-door neighbor, but, like, she's, like, just thick enough. I don't know if you can answer this or not, if you don't, if you have any ties to her or something. No, but I, I have no ties at all. Is she, <laughs> do you, is she hot, or am I just losing my mind? I've seen her in passing backstage. Uh, I've done several, several shows for WWE uh, during my career. Never had the chance to talk to her. I think she's attractive. She's not my type. You know, no, no offense, she's a very attractive person, just not my... Yeah, I've, I've, like, so during that era was the the Attitude Era, right, where it was, like, all the girls, lingerie and everything, and I still found her to be, like, the hottest one. I don't. She and, does it for you. That's, so there was, that's right. there was one match. Stone Cold Steve Austin ripped her shirt off. She had, like, a blazer on. I don't know if any of you remember this. No? See, you I'm do. the only one who was a perv. <laughs> but he ripped it off, and you can find it on YouTube. And, my God, she's so hot. But anyway, and the next question is your profession, which is physical therapy. Yes. Was there any reason you went into physical therapy? Was it because of wrestling and how injury-prone people are, or is that just like a passion of yours? It's actually a long story. It's it's actually not that long, but it's a kind of cool, preachy story. I don't want to come off as preachy at all, but I'll try to. Okay. When I was 13 playing high school football, I tore my ACL in my left knee. Rehab that went through physical therapy, uh, came back, and that's actually what got me involved in working out because I had gone to physical therapy, got really my legs were huge by the time I was on, and that was way back in the day before insurance would cut you off after 20 visits, you could go until yeah, you know, whenever. So I had these huge legs, and it got me into working out not just my legs but my upper body. Came back, played football, played so much. Better because my legs were strong. All that extra leg strength. Uh, then my junior year, I tore the ACL in my right knee. At that time, ACL reconstruction was a 14, 15-month rehab, a long rehab. Spoke about mom before when I went to Japan, and oh, that's a terrible surgery. It's you know, it's you know, it's a lot to go through. And so I opted not to repair either one of them. Mm-hmm. I handled it with physical therapy. And as a result, I had strong legs, but because the ACL was missing, there was a lot of joint play in there. Uh, so I would tear the meniscus here and there. I've, I've had three scopes on each knee to clear out the meniscus, uh, and I've just I, I was exposed to a lot of 
physical therapy, and I just liked it. Gotcha. Uh, and that's how, how I got involved. So you wanted, you wanted to help people. Yeah. That's I, basically what it came I down to. I wanted to help people. I liked working out. I was always great with science. Science was bio, chem, stuff like that was, those were subjects that I could just go to class, not even study, and just get A's on those tests. Wow. I was just a good science guy. And it was just something that just pulled me towards it. So at that time, I tear my left one. Two years later, I tear my right one. Huge injuries after I had just re- rehabbed one and now I have another one. And I was devastated. I wanted to play football. That's all I wanted to do. And I can't because I kept getting hurt. Had I not had those two injuries, I would never be exposed to physical therapy. So I, I, I always say not to get preachy. God steers you the way he thinks you should go. And those two injuries changed my entire life. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. And again, it gave you a career, and it, it piqued your interest enough to learn to do it. I know that's not that's not easy schooling either. No. That's years. Yeah, of, it was crazy. What is it? How, how long does it take to? That's at least six, right? Now, now it's a doctorate. When I went, it was a, a bachelor's, but it was a lot of schooling. It, it, it was harder to get in. I, I mean, that was the biggest thing: is just getting in, and then once you got in, you had to work hard to stay in. But getting in was ridiculous. Um. Uh, just got sidetracked for a moment just because uh, our man Damian McCoy, this this guy loves us, man. He just leaves a, a $55 dono to the channel for wow. the Glorious House of Gains podcast. That is so nice of you. He says, get everyone at the table, get everyone at the table a round of drinks. Not Joey, though. He doesn't need sugar. So thank, <laughs> That's thank fucked you so up. much. Thank you so much, Damien. We will get everybody a drink aside from Joey Bag of Donuts. I'll save my diet uh, talk for next week. We'll, we'll go over how I've been doing. So, Crowbar, <laughs> we, uh, I, I still have a little bit more for you, but I do want to get to our sports minute with sure. Cody. Absolutely. And I also want to get into uh, Ray Worldwide's Batty with a Fatty segment, which is going to be taken over by our friend Janice today. So she's going to have her very own segment. But, Pody, uh, what is going on in sports this week, my man? All right, so check it. I'll make this as quick as possible, but I want to congratulate Virginia. They are the national champs in college basketball. Um, yeah, it was a bit controversial, that championship game. I will say that. I don't want to get into it too much, but I thought Texas Tech got robbed. Looked like the refs might have had some money on Virginia. Next up, uh, last night, very crazy in the NBA. We had Dwayne Wade and Dirk. They are both retiring, so they played in their final home games last night, and coincidentally enough, both dropped 30 points. Um In that game with Dirk, it was supposed to be his night. But Jamal Crawford, for you basketball fans, you'll know who he is. He's been around forever. 39 years old, played on eight different teams. He scored 50 points, 51 points to be exact. And he broke Michael Jordan's record to become the oldest man ever to score 50 points in a basketball game in the NBA. Yes. So kudos to him. And he did say he wants to come back and play more next year. So we'll see if he's playing at 40. Paul George and Mo Harkless, they hit uh, game winners last night as well. And then Magic Johnson, president of basketball operations with the Lakers, he decided to call a press conference with the media, and he quit. Didn't tell his bosses, didn't tell anybody prior, 
just straight up quit on the spot. And I have a theory to all of this. He said he, he wants to be the old Magic Johnson. He's not having fun, yada, yada, yada. Here's my theory. Nobody wants to work with LeBron James whatsoever. Wow. He can't get anybody to come play with him, no superstar talent, to work with him in Space Jam 2, and it's a whole mess out there in Hollywood. So really a classless move there by uh, Magic, but what else do you expect? (laughs) And then uh, a couple notes in college basketball. Chris Mullen, he resigned at St. John's. UCLA hired Mick Cronin. And congratulations to the New Jersey Devils. They won the draft lottery last night, number one pick. The Rangers got the number two pick. So you can catch me uh, every Friday on This Week in Sports. Pody out. Thank you very much, Pody. And again, just to uh, to repeat that, you can find the Pody on all your podcast apps, iTunes. Give him a five-star review. Leave him a comment. Let him know that uh, you heard about his show through the glorious House of Gains podcast. Shout out to the Brooklyn Nets. They also made the playoffs. There you go. Cody's a big-time fan of the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets fan. So Ray Worldwide is not in the house today. Ray Worldwide actually dropped the ball with last, not last week, but two weeks ago, the baddie with the fatty contacted Ray and said, hey, I heard I want a tank top, and Ray dropped the ball and never got her address. So that baddie is still floating out there in, in the uh, in, uh, interweb land, and we need to get her address. So baddie, I don't even remember which it's name It's outer it space. Outer space. Baddie yeah. space. Wait, you just it's, can't email him? You just can't ask him what it is? I told him, go back through your DMs. He said, oh, I deleted it. I, I fucked up. But he sent me the screenshot that she reached out and said, hey, I heard I want a tank top. So uh, we have another super chat. Jesus, Damian McCoy, my, my man, sends another donation to the channel. He says, hey, spending money at the Glorious House of Gains so I won't have any money left to buy drugs. Well, that's good. <laughs> so spend it on us instead of the It all depends. What spend it on drugs. us because we're just going to use it to buy drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm almost at a trend. So, But uh, all right. So Ray Worldwide has a segment every week, which is called the Baddie with a Fatty. Crowbar, not sure how familiar you are with this segment, but Ray picks a chick. It's always fan-nominated, or bro and broette-nominated. I hate the word fan. We like to call the people that support our show and listen to our show our bros and broettes. I, the fan seems kind of markish, right? Gotcha. But um, they nominate a chick on Instagram, and there are some requirements. She has to have less than 100,000 followers, which in today's day and age, almost every chick has close to or not over 100,000 followers, especially if you're going to show your butt off on Instagram. And um, and she has to be pretty. However, Ray Worldwide is in Japan right now. So Janice will be taking over this hey. segment. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the moment you've all been waiting for, Janice's Batty with a Fatty of the Week. You have to say take that. Yeah, take that. Take that. All right, Janice, who you got? Okay, so first of all, I was, after you told me I was had to do this, I was on the, this is weird when I hear my voice echo. You nominated but yourself. But for like an hour and a half, I'm just scrolling through girls with big butts and... Yeah, I don't, I became wish very I was, self-conscious I by there. the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Nick, that is you. Okay, so I I decided that I really like uh, this girl that I know. She's great. She's my friend's um, cousin. And it's Sammy, S-A-M-I underscore S-415. She meets all the criteria. Okay. She only has like 2,000 followers. Okay. Uh, and so I pick her. So yeah. Sammy underscore S415. Uh, Pody, you have that up on the screen. Cool. So for people watching the live stream and watching the playback on YouTube, that is Sammy underscore S415. You are this week's Janice's baddie with a fatty of the week. You have 48 hours to reach out to one of the bros or Janice and say, hey, I heard that I won a free baddie with a fatty female racerback tank. Available only at robertfrank615.com. I just want to add in, before before we uh, told her to do this, when Ray does this, he always shows us, because you need to accept these baddies. You can't just let anybody just shout out a name. Okay. Are, this, are you about Are you about to, to totally destroy this chick? I am not. I'm okay. about to say she is certifiably hot. Okay. She gets All right. the approval. Good, good. She is. She is thick. Upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. She so she I wanted wins. to nominate her cousin, but she has like this adorable, cute little butt, and I know you guys want big, fat butts. So. Yeah, and and coincidentally, <laughs> a lot of her pictures are taken in Miami, home of the giant butt. Yeah. So this is cool. I'm okay with this. Where's she from? Is she from Jersey? Yeah, she's from I think Atlantic City area. Oh, okay. So maybe we can hand deliver the uh, the female Razorback tank. You're going to be getting surgery, right? Be careful there, guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So yes, uh, Sammy underscore S four one five. Reach out to one of us, and we will get you your tank top. But you only have 48 hours. From the time this podcast airs, which is probably going to be in about 30 minutes or so after uh, the show ends. Also, uh, Jimmy Triceps, who is not with us tonight, he does a segment every week. Um, Well, maybe sometimes not every week, more like once every eighth week. But it is called Jimmy Triceps Pet Peeve of the Week. And usually it's a gym-related pet peeve, but it's a pet peeve nonetheless. Now, before we move on to the pet peeve, we always, anytime we have a guest... We always would want to know if you have anyone that you would like to nominate as a baddie with a fatty. Do you? Is there anyone that's on social media? Uh, doesn't have to be your wife. Could be just someone that you see and they're like, ah, you know what? Check in the wrestling business. Anyone? Anyone that you would nominate as a uh, a baddie with a fatty? Crowbar. I actually don't do a lot of Instagram, oh. social media stuff like that. Surf under the pics. Okay. I think my wife has a great ass, so I'll nominate my nice. wife. So Dina, she does. Dina my wife has. It. I'm a huge fan of my wife's ass. <laughs> that is awesome. We're going to be married uh, 15 years this August, and I'm and I still think she has the best ass going. My man, yeah, good, awesome. good for you, good for you, and Dina. Congratulations. Are guys. we plugging her time. Instagram or social media? Nah, she's not. No, we, right. yeah, we, don't, we don't have to do that, but we know that, that that's really the cool. The Fords are really ass. late to the social media game, so all good, brother. Yeah. All right, so Jimmy Triceps usually never has a pet peeve, but I said, Janice, can you please take over this segment? Because I know you'll have a pet peeve. What is your pet peeve, Janice? But it has nothing to do with Jim. doesn't have to. Oh, okay, good. It's just a pet peeve. Yeah, my pet peeve is people who have an issue with animals. Oh, are you trying to call no, me out? Yeah. I you think she's trying to call you. She's trying to call Rob and, and Joe out? God. 
it drives me crazy when I hear you guys talk about it. And it's not frequent, but you, it's a little bit. I'm going to defend myself here. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm in a very small population so of people. We are definitely like less than 1% of human beings that do not care for animals. And my mentality on that has been forever, and that is they don't serve a purpose. If you don't oh serve a purpose God. in life, I find you to have no value. Do you have any animals? What's your now, purpose? Do you have a you dog? Have a cat? Almost you have a cat? everybody. Okay. My wife has animals. I mean, like, I just, listen, if you cannot do something. Now, your argument is going to be cats and dogs. They They're are emotional support. You'll tell me that tigers hunt this animal, and that's why the circle of life if you can't do anything to make society more productive, in my opinion, invent some new technology, do this, do that, get a job, I don't need you. I don't care for you. So I, that's why I've never cared for animals. They cannot, I cannot gain emotional support from them. They cannot get a job and help me make money and pay the bills. So I don't have goldfish. I don't have any, and nothing, nothing. You're done. The only thing I'm doing with you is eating you. Uh, dogs, obviously, it's illegal, but I mean, hey, if I'm in China, I'm trying it because I believe it's legal there. Oh, hey, sorry. Wait, and Pody's smiling. Are you all about? Pody is in agreement with I, us. Yeah, my whole thing is is the animal hair. I I hate hair. So like cat hair, dog hair, them jumping on your furniture, they're in your bed, you're this or that. You're wearing. I wear black a lot, so it's just it's a pain in the balls. Uh, Jacob Allison, and we're going to get to more pet peeve stuff in a moment, but Jacob Allison leaves a $5 dono. He says, Ray Worldwide, Vegas, dad's worst nightmare. I noticed those gains on the arms, my dude. You re- Are you a, a real gym bro or not? Nah? Show me them legs, bro. So uh, Ray is not with us tonight. Ray is in the live stream, but he is in Japan right now, Jacob. But no, Ray does not do legs. Um, none of the bros really do legs. We're, it's an upper body business, right? Rick Rude said that many, many years ago when Stone Cold Steve Austin, or back then, I guess it was probably stunning Steve Austin, asked Rick Rude why he doesn't do legs. And Rick Rude said, it's an upper body business. So Damian McCoy with another super chat says, I think I'm going to write some wrestling introductions for the Glorious House of Gains crew. That would be awesome, Damian. I have a pet peeve and it's wrestling related. And I don't know, Crowbar, if you agree with me or not. Let's find out. Back in the day. Okay, here's the pet peeve. My pet peeve is promos in the ring. Okay. My, the way that I grew up watching wrestling, all your promos and your stories were told. You remember the old NWA with the little podium? Tony off, Schiavone. Off-site kind off of. Off-site yeah. with uh, David Crockett and Tony Schiavone interviewing the Four Horsemen, Magnum TA, Dusty Rhodes. It was always outside the ring. Like, the ring was where people fought. Sure. That's where people wrestled. Um, later on in years, you go to your WWF or, or, yeah, probably WWF, but you had your Piper's Pit, your Snake Pit, your Flower Shop with Adrian and Adonis. They always set stuff up that way. It always, and it told a story. It built an angle. Everything was off-site. And again, the wrestling happened in the ring. That's my biggest pet peeve now is Raw opens up every week. And even Nitro, back when WCW was around, always used to open up with somebody in the ring talking on a microphone. And, okay, you could still build a storyline that way. That's fine. But I miss the old days of telling a story outside the ring, and the ring is actually where the story came to, like, a, a, a close. Do you agree or disagree with that? I like the off-site. Uh, okay. You know, the Miz has his uh, 
what show? What is his, his thing's called? Uh, not the highlight reel. I forget. Uh, you know what Jared, I'm talking about, though. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, how great would that be if if you took the same concept and had a site like next like next to the entrance ramp, and it was just a different scenery, different place? Yeah, I totally agree. I have no problem with in ring stuff, but I think a lot of stuff could be made more special if you actually had a a set off. Stage offering someplace. Yeah, no, and and that's will be live to the crowd, just not in the ring. Right, and brother love how, who, was great. Oh, forget, it was, it was oh, fantastic. Oh my god, he was the fucking best. Um, do you doesn't have to be gym related or wrestling related at all, but do you have any pet peeves that drive you up a wall when something happens? Okay, and really pissed. <laughs> Work a lot of hours at work. Yeah, really try to get to gym in the best I can. You, you know, we could talk about that later. But I mean, when I was wrestling full time, I had two and a half hours, three hours to spend in in like the gym. Now I'm really trying to one stay in shape, keep you know the business going, and yep. actually still spend time with my family. When I go to the gym, and and I'm not judging anybody, but you're waiting for a certain piece of equipment, and there's one guy on there. And you could tell he doesn't know how to use it, and he's doing friggin' 19 sets. Yeah. And yep. you're just so... <laughs> it's like, bro. That drives me nuts. Okay. So the guy that just hangs out on the machine way too long. Doing, but like doing a ridiculous amount of sets, and you're doing it yourself, wrong. you're just, when you're doing it wrong, and you tell you're just, you're overtraining at this point. Yeah. No, I would and, and I got to get out of here. There's a lot of people that, uh, that are at my gyms that do the same exact thing. But uh, yeah, so that's definitely. And they see you relatable. watching too. They see oh, you watching and waiting for sure. And then they just wait even longer, uh, they, or they take even longer. So uh, W Raver seven one seven six dollar fifteen cent dono says, "Hey Joe, uh, my hundred and thirty pound Roddy serves a purpose. He protects my house when I'm not home." Hashtag dare you to break into my house. Thank you. Okay, so in my defense, I have a security camera at the front door. I have a gun. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and I have me. Okay, but those things serve a purpose. Yeah, but when his dog serves he says a purpose. When they're not home. When, so when he's buy, not home. Yeah, so then buy a security system, buy a gun. Buy, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to win this argument because, every, like I said, I'm a very people small are population. People, right. People love their animals. I, I get that they, but there's other ways to protect your home. I mean, get three bolt locks. I mean, because realistically, I come in to break in your house. I'm going to survey the area. I see a pit bull. I'm taking that thing out. That's the first thing I'm doing if I'm going to break into your house. Like, I mean, you don't just burglarize a house unless you're a dumbass and you walk in and you're like, oh, shit, there's a pit bull. And then you just get eaten by the pit bull. I'm coming in there ready. So I get that it's a protection. But, you know, again, there's other ways around that. But, again, I, I know that I'm not – I know I'm in a small club. I, I know that. And I, but I can't change. I'm 35 years old. It's not going to happen. But I respect people. I don't go to people's houses and I'm like, lock up your dog. I'm not coming in. Oh, that's good. Like, I, I still go over. You know, I'll touch your dog, all that. But I just personally. I'll touch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pet it. I'll say, hey, what's up? I don't do the dog talk or anything. Hey, baby. I just, what's up? All right, don't bite me. And then that's it. So I'm not. And again, my wife, I've been with her for 14 years, has had dogs her whole life. So I'm not anti-dog. I just don't. I don't need them. They do nothing for me. No animal does anything for me. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But so, I, whoever, uh, Raber, uh, just make sure your dog is trained <laughs> to be uh, able to attack someone who knows the dog is there. 
Another one of the... Uh, all right, thank you for that, Joe. And I'm in agreement with you. But anyways, uh, we have another fan question for Crowbar who says that they thought you would... Has there ever, was there ever any talk to have you in some kind of an angle? And if there was, I totally forgot about it. So correct me if I'm wrong. Any talk for you to be in any kind of angle or part of the whole Raven thing when he went to WCW, like he he said that you would have been perfect for like to a be lot in of Raven's. People form. have said that to me, and uh, you know even after WCW going to WWE, yeah, it was talked about a lot by people. Oh, you would fit great with Raven, isn't that? Uh, as far as the offices go, you, you know, people calling the shots. I don't know if it ever got that far, but I I I had a ton of people say, oh, you you. Uh, David and Daphne would be great with Raven. Yeah. All three of you would be great, but... Because uh, I could see you yeah. being like... I could too. Raven's like number two, like where Saturn was, and then like eventually feuding with him and yeah. like do, doing your own program because I thought you guys would work well together. A um, lot of fans did suggest that to me. It just, I don't know if that was ever something that came across in, you know, the booking offices or anything like that. Do you have any good Raven stories... Because I heard he was a, a wild boy back in those days. Uh, or did you kind of keep to yourself back then? You do have a story, I could tell. <laughs> He's like, do I tell it, though? I, I have tell a story. It, I've heard, listen, I've heard some some stuff with Raven and Saturn. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I, go ahead. The slip and slide story? Do you know that one? No. Okay. Well, apparently what they used to do is they used to get these ring rats that used to come and they're females, whatever, and they would be in the hotel and they would bring a slip and slide with them. Now, the female would be, down, and this is three o'clock in the morning when nobody's awake, they would have the female at the end of a slip of the hallway outside the room. They would roll out the slip and slide. They would have, this chick would have no pants on and she would be with her legs wide open and Raven and or Saturn would have a dildo strapped to their head. Oh my God. And they would run as fast as they could and slide forward and like run into the chick with a, like a, they called it like the unicorn or something. And that was a thing that they did. They were fucking insane. That this can't be safe. That's not safe. No, definitely not safe. We this, can try that later, though. This no. sounds <laughs> like behavior of two of our co-hosts that are currently not exactly. here tonight. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, that is, uh, that's pretty crazy. But give us a, something that you could tell that you feel like you, you, you're comfortable sharing, if I, there is one. Uh, I've had my own issues with them, uh, personally. You know, when you go down there to work, uh, especially when we spoke about it before how I was not well liked down there. Okay. You know, the whole school thing was not well received. Uh, and But guys say shit to you and stuff like that. And outside of whether or not you could fight them or not, there's still the whole politics of these guys are much higher up on the like the political chain of, of the company than you. So that's another thing that keeps your mouth shut, keeps you from fighting back, keeps you from saying anything like that. So yep. Raven, I thought... Treated me like shit when I was there. You know, when I was there during uh, my college years. Okay. Uh, so, fast forward to I don't even know when it would be, maybe two thousand eight or something. Francine did a cancer benefit show, 
And uh, for for my match, just to hype hype the crowd up, I w- went out there and I cut a promo on Taz, who I had well documented heat with. But the whole ob- object of this whole thing was I cut a promo on Taz, had a match against Chris Hamrick, who's a great worker. He obviously became the baby face because he was, you know, I like I was shitting on Taz, yep. and and I was up there talking about my WCW titles. I was a hardcore champion, cruiserweight champion, tag team champion, and you know, you're all this bingo hall. Chris Hamrick beats me with the Taz mission. Okay. So, you know, that told the story. I got to shit on Taz. I got to shit on the, the, the building. Hamrick turns it around. The ECW guy beats me with Taz's move. So gotcha. I go to the back, and this is, you know, now now I'm a full-time physical therapist. I'm, I'm an administrator at, the, at this facility, wrestling for fun, just having a good time. Raven comes up to me. He goes, ah, yes, uh, I really don't think he needed a promo, and I didn't appreciate that. And uh, I'm probably going to say something in my promo about you, so I'm just giving you the, the professional heads up. And he gives me a little tap, and he walks away. Chris Ford back in 1993, 94 would have just, you know, because you got to keep your mouth shut yeah. politically. So he walked away. I fucking grab him by the tricep <laughs> and I pull him and I go, you could go out there, say whatever the hell you want. One, because it's so many years later, no one gives a shit. And if I don't like what you said, we're going to have an issue when you come back. Need- needless to say, go by the video. He didn't say anything about me. Wow. And there were a lot of guys in, in the back that popped so huge. And the, the phrase, that's one for the good guys. Yeah, yeah. I and, guess he wasn't used to someone. And then after that point, though, like Taz, I saw him at another show and, you know, we were cool. There but, you, it, go. you know, it's, it's just when the situations change and I didn't need to have his approval to move up a ladder here or there or have to worry about him saying something. I was. Out of the wrestling business full time, I was making a living doing something else. I I was there by choice and having a good time, and I just wasn't going to take his shit. And then from that point on, he learned that. Gotcha. But we're gotcha. cool now. We're grown people, and it's uh, you know, I listen. I listen to his podcast once in a while. I catch little clips on YouTube here and there. He's definitely he definitely has a mind for the business. Smart and, guy. And I, I, no, I'm definitely saying super smart guy. Great mind for the business. Was a dick to me that one time, and that was it. There you, know, you, there you go. Let's well, catch up on that last chats. time, rather. Um, Zach J says, uh, Joe should buy a dog and teach it to bite him every time he eats. Problem solved. There <laughs> you go. That's a good idea. Our man Nino says, uh, Crowbar would be excellent addition to AEW, in my opinion. We are going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, but we do have one more that we have from Damian McCoy. Will Ray Worldwide ever get a chance to reclaim his Vegas title? Uh, that is to be determined. It will a- be in September once again in this year, in a couple months. We're about six months out. We've been going every year to Vegas for like 10 years now. Yeah. So we'll be there again, and uh, we'll see. He'll have his chance. I just don't think he's going to cut it. And Damien also says, on a different note, Crowbar has been a badass guest. Would love to see him come back on again. So Thank before you. I get to the last couple things, and I promise you we don't have too much longer— uh, we have to go over your biggest highlight. I mean, to me as a fan, wrestling fan, when you worked with David Flair and Daphne, mm-hmm. I remember the the uh, the gas station skit that you guys did. You came out, uh, David the Misfits and right, Vampiro, yeah, yep. David Flair was doing the psycho uh, uh, 
thing where he was carrying a crowbar and hitting people with it. And then you were in the gas station. You were a gas station attendant, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah. And so you got to work with David Flair, Daphne, um, the Misfits, Vampira. You guys had a little program. What was that like? That that was great because that was actually I had I had been working the Saturday Night Show as Devin Storm, and I was being groomed to be this new cruiserweight. Uh, Were you still doing the rocker, like the the no, rocker attire no, though? Like no, with the, no, the at that time, you could find it. There's a f- few clips up there. Dark hair, velvet tights. It, it was crowbar, but in tights, not jeans. Okay, and uh, you know, not really that. Uh, like the happy, crazy, you know, with the smiling and all that, just a evil, freaking, gothy-looking cruiserweight guy. And uh, I got to work some of the guys from the power plant. I had a match with Booker T and Chris Benoit, both uh, wow. as that character, which was awesome at, at the time, uh, as I always admired Benoit's work. You know, it was just awesome. So getting to work Kim was insane. And then I had gotten a call, said... We have an idea for you. Come down to Salisbury, Maryland, uh, and the rest is history. There. Who would that be? That had, is this Russo or and Somebody, Bischoff at the time? Or Russo had seen me uh, after the Saturday Night Show at, at a hotel bar. Okay, I had my hair down and I had a leather jacket on. And the story goes as it was told to me. He goes, "Who who is that guy? He looks sick." And the gist of it was David Flair was drawing ratings. Ric Flair's son, Ric Flair bloodline, couldn't wrestle all that good. And he no. knew it. So they came up with the solution that let's put him in a tag team. We'll put him with a guy that can wrestle that's a little bit more competent than him. And he could carry the tag team. Yep. And then that way we could actually get David in a ring and have people see him in a ring instead of just doing skits. Right. Yeah, no, I I remember that. And I remember when you guys beat Hall and Nash for the for the yeah. WCW titles. That was who, sick. Who did you guys end up losing it to? The Mamelukes. It was the Mamelukes? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was Chronic for some reason, but I, I didn't do enough research. Was Chronic working back then when you guys were still doing They were there, I, I believe, yeah. Okay. So the Mama Luke's, I was a big Johnny the Bull fan. I, I loved oh, his amazing. physique. I was like, bro. And the, the things that he could do his the, athleticism was oh, crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, he looked like something straight out of Bronx Tale, like yeah. uh, and Big Vito too. Um, so Damian McCoy, uh, Damian McCoy, you read that super chat, but D Almeida leaves super chat. He says, "Crowbar, who welcomed you the most when you started pro wrestling? Like what vet or someone that kind of took you under their wing and welcomed you well, to the to the sh- big show?" As we've spoken about it before, we had the Moss Eisley Cantina of Jim, Strong and Safely Jim, and uh, two of the first guys that I met there as a teenager before I even started training to be a pro wrestler was Hugh Morris and Jim Powers. Met them both there. Wow. Uh, They were always real cool to me. I would always ask them a ton of wrestling questions. They never blew blew me off. They were always super cool about advice in wrestling and life, you know, so that was kind of cool. As far as Moving up like the ladder, I mean, there were so many people, and I hate leaving anyone out. Dallas yeah. Page, you know, you can't leave him out. He actually got me my deal. Uh, Jim Cornette did a lot for, for me. Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, you know, guys that really helped give me opportunities in the wrestling business. You know, there were, there were tons of independent promoters around there, too. Uh, I just don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah, you know, no, a definitely. A lot of people. So that that's... Uh, None that, of them forgotten. Yeah, like I always tell people that I'll actually drop a random text at people once in a while. Hey, just thank you. You know, never, never forgotten. Thanks for help. You know, 
Yeah, that no, that's oh, read these things on live stream. Someone asked, "What the fuck was WCW smoking when they created Glacier?" Uh, were you there for that when that whole uh, they were doing the? He was there, and then I think they had they did the gimmick where he sold his tights to Kaz Hayashi. I think that was going on. When I was yeah, there. I, I remember. I vaguely remember that going on. Um, but Glacier, I remember the the whole Glacier buildup, and then I don't know if it ended up being a flop or what. But I know he ended up changing his gimmick. Like a couple months later, he started doing some kind of like sports coach or something yeah, he, on yep. Saturday night. I would see him. That's right. Yes. Yeah, it was it was crazy. But it was like some gym teacher uh, gimmick. Um, so someone wants to know if you still watch the current product now. Do you do you watch WCW whenever or I can? WWF. Okay. So uh, whenever I can, like I'll. Usually get home late on Monday. That's a late night for physical therapy. Big busy day, so you got paperwork. I hit the gym, and then whatever's on when I get home, I'll watch with my wife Dina. You know, but honestly, when I do cardio and stuff like that, it's a lot of '90s stuff. I, I watch. I like watching the older stuff. Yeah, no, me too. I, I like I said, I live on YouTube. Um, the current product right now, they just had the WWE, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but WWE just had their WrestleMania pay-per-view. It was headlined by Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey. Now, in my opinion, and this is not being sexist or anything like that, um, I know it's like the women's thing right now. The women are in power. That's like this thing that they're doing. I actually was in the mall today and I walked past Express and they have a tank top that says um, women are the future. That's like what the front of the tank top said. So anyways, my opinion is this. The reason that WWE, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the reason that WWE had to have this as the main event is because their star power is lacking so much. There's no intrigue for any new matches that they have with the talent roster that they have, that they had to have something new being women in the main event and a match that no one's ever seen before. Becky Lynch versus Flair versus, uh, versus Ronda Rousey. Um, what do you think about the current talent roster right now? Just how many times are we going to see Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar? How many times are we going to see uh, uh, Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar? I just feel like for WrestleMania, they didn't have that intriguing match that could headline the pay-per-view, and they had to put new people in there, and it just happened to be women. What do you think about any of that? I think from from a publicity standpoint, uh, it was, you know, they couldn't go didn't hurt them to have the women in the main event. Mm-hmm. It shows are giving women a chance. The women in the main event were very competent. You know, they're you know with their stars in in their own right. If that's not your thing, if that's not the match you're gonna tune in to see, and you're a guy or whoever, you're you're still gonna tune in. But in the public eye, you still gave women that top billing. If that's I on I honestly believe that that's the reason that lack of star power. I do think that they haven't made stars on the level of a Rock or an Austin or like that yet. Yeah. Uh, then going back to what I said before, though, the athleticism, it, incredible workers there. Incredible workers, incredible work rate. I, I just don't think they've made a, a, a guy or a star at that level right. you know, since those guys have they left. They haven't made yeah, the household name. Time. 
And nowadays, social media is so big. And that chick, Becky Lynch, is killing it on social media. I mean, she's basically, if you go on her Twitter and watch, like, read her tweets and shit, she's a troll. That's all she does is troll people. She makes fun of Ronda Rousey. She makes fun of Charlotte Flair. She's working the gimmick, of course, but Mm -hmm. she's, like, she gets so much engagement on social media. And that is a huge part of, that's why, back in the day, back in, like, the 90s, to be considered, like, a lifetime indie guy might have been, like, a slap in the face, like, oh, you never made it to the big... But now with YouTube, every show is being broadcast on YouTube, whether it's a show with 25 people, and these guys are putting on matches that are better than Excellent. WWE. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so talk to us real quick about... Not real quick, take as much time as you need, but the Rescue Mania mm-hmm. that you've been doing. Uh, how many shows are you up to now? We're on... Seven shows in just over a year, and and the majority of the shows have been literally within a two mile radius of each other, which is crazy. Okay, so this is some, and this is benefiting the fire departments. And the first one was okay. Uh, it actually started out as I had a friend of mine from high school, fireman, was coming in as as a patient. He said, "Hey, I, I always see on your Facebook page you're doing a show here or show there. Is there any way we could do that for?" With the fire department, I said, yeah, sure. Uh, it'll be fun. Let's try it out. Uh, and like he actually said, we have to do it where nobody gets offended, though. We have to make sure there's no cursing, no... Fan-friendly, yeah, family-friendly friendly no blood. You know, if it happens accidentally, so be it. But no, you know, overt yeah. guys bleeding all over the place. So we put it on, and I always had an idea for wrestling. I'm, I'm a huge fan of late 80s, early 90s wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's kind of what I molded this show around. There's an exceptional, there's an exceptional amount of good local talent in the area. So I put my business hat on, not my wrestling hat. You know, the business from owning a physical therapy business, and a lot of guys will run shows, fly in a whole bunch of guys, and when you go through the budget, even if they sell the show out, there's no way you're gonna break even. It's impossible. So I used a lot of local guys that were very talented, looked good, looked the part. You know, that was big. I'm, uh, I think, as I've said before multiple times on the broadcast, uh, the athleticism is on a whole new plane, a whole new level. Yeah. I quite simply say a lot of the bullshit that made wrestling fun and be it fun or exciting is gone. The outfits, the over-the-top characters. And I'm not saying you have to have a whole show like that, but I think... Some of that's gone. And we kind of recreated that with the first Rescue Mania. It was a sold-out show. People turned away at with the door there. Uh, you were there. You know, I was uh, there. Yeah. With a whole lot of fun. Throwback shows. And it was, I'm not going to say an older style, because we had guys doing modern moves. Yeah. It was modern moves at a more of a mid-90s pace. Yeah. If, uh, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Totally uh, sense. And the first show was a... Success and was follows up by second, third, fourth, fifth. We're on our seventh one, which will take place this Sunday in in uh, Rutherford, New Jersey. It's going to be for the Tracers, which is an organization in North Jersey uh, that helps homeless vet homeless veterans find both jobs and homes. Perfect, nice. perfect. That's really awesome. Um, and I'll be wrestling Joe, Joey Janela that night, and uh, that should be a whole lot of fun. And uh, we've worked each other in the past, and. Our match will probably be one of the more uh, violent, modern-type 
matches that if you're a fan of modern wrestling, you're going to enjoy that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Now, one of your last shows that I saw, you sent me a clip on, uh, on Facebook where you jumped off the top of a steel cage and put somebody through a table. So even at 45, you're still doing some of the craziest shit out there. Um, nobody else was jumping off of a cage that night, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. So who were you working that night? Was that... Um, Andrew Anderson. Andrew Anderson, okay. And uh, it's, like I said before, I just love what I'm doing. I, I do it for my own, own enjoyment. Thank God my physical therapy business does very, very well. I'm not being, you know, I'm not just blowing smoke up there. Yeah. I'm just trying to es- establish that. I'm in this shit because I friggin' love it still. Yep. Uh, I feel blessed that my body could still do it and still do it at that level. Uh, when it stops being fun, I'll, um, you know, I'll probably stop, but it's, I'm still having a blast now. Probably the most fun I've ever had and uh just trying to be timeless yeah no you are and you're doing it on your own terms now if aew let's just say called you up and said hey we have a position for you uh whether it be uh, of course you probably would want to be a full-time worker or something like that but if they had something where they wanted you to be a road agent or something like that is there any would you take any position just to like get back into it full-time or would it have to be you you want to be in the ring I'm not a spectator. Okay. You want to be, you, know, you, yeah. you need to be in the thick of things. Yeah. I need I to be into the, and I would be highly honored if that op- opportunity came. Uh, but I really need to be in the thick of things. It's what it, it's what I, it really gives me life. I love doing it. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. Uh, and all, <laughs> when I jumped off the cage, I got so many IMs and texts from, from friends that are former or not former, still wrestlers. What the fuck are you doing? You have a job, this, that, the other thing. Yeah. Whenever I do a stunt, as crazy as it looks, I'm very calculated about it. I have work Monday. I have the business. I have my family. Uh, I knew I could jump off. I knew I could hit it just right. Yep. And uh, it's something that gave me a rush. It gave the fans there a rush. And uh, just fun, man. Yeah, I mean, I still remember when you got choke slammed off the fucking uh, uh, the uh, the stage at uh, yeah. the what do you call the, Tron it? the entrance thing. way? Yeah, yeah. The entrance way. Yeah. Fifteen feet. I think I sent you that clip, right? Um, but yeah, that's crazy. And uh, listen, you could still go. I could co-sign Robert Frank right now. Can co-sign that you uh, can still go one hundred percent. So AEW or WWE, whoever, give this man a call. I co-sign that. <laughs> Any last questions for our man Crowbar before we find out where we could find him on social media and all that? Joe, you have anything? No, I guess here's my question, actually. Shoot. How do you think, let's, uh, let's pretend Rob was 10 years younger, okay? Because right now... I know where this is going. Oh, boy. How do you think he would fare in any wrestling... Uh, what's the proper word? Federation? Uh, Promotion. Any, any of these W... WE, uh, WCW, anything. How, how would he do? Because he already has a gimmick. He's got the lingo down. He knows what he's doing. He can talk. How do you think he'd do? How many times, Robert, in text or in yeah. a conversation have I said, you have missed your calling? Yeah, uh, yeah I said that. I think with the, with the training, had we, we, we gone back, what, we say 10 years? Without question. I, I think right now he could be a healthy promo coach. Anywhere. I 
think you could be an on-air personality doing a little like segment. What do you think of this match? And you, you, you do one of your 60 seconds and go. People know who, who he is. People like who he is. He's entertaining as all hell. And and I think taking a minute of your show and letting Robert give his two cents, it, it could be in a car and friggin' send him the clip. Yeah. Uh, I like I think it'd be great. The the problem is I have a potty mouth and I would really have to uh on a Work live it. on a, a lot live of microphone it would be a train wreck oh, because I would be <laughs> F bombing. I, re- I remember we were in London and and uh we were at FitCon UK and they came up to him with a camera and they're like, All right, give us some kind of emotion stuff oh. and he literally just starts cursing. I'm like, dude, they they're not gonna be able to use that. My <laughs> ideal pro for Robert, and I think it'd be funny as hell, would be not that there's anything against cruiserweights, but you would have two more leanly built cruiserweights, not really thick or more like that very lean athletic build. And I think you would take issue with both of those guys before they had their match. Gotcha. I, I could do that. They don't even look like they fucking lift. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they don't even lift, bro. Um, th- yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I we could talk about. Yeah. We, we could talk about that for maybe something in the future. That would that would be awesome. I could send you in a clip or something. You could play on the big screen at uh, one of your shows. Um, but no, this has been awesome, bro. Thank you so much again for coming. And where can everyone find you? I know if you're watching the live stream, Crowbar is on Twitter at WCW Crowbar. Uh, you can follow him there. And uh, where can we find you on Facebook? You said no Instagram, but you're now, on Facebook. If you want to check out the Rescue Mania, res- uh, the Rescue Mania Wrestling page, okay. uh, or if you want to find me on Facebook, I'm Christopher Ford PT. Very changed from Crowbar. Yeah, Christopher Ford. And that's when I first, when you first yeah. DM me way back in the day. The hell is this guy? Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea who I was talking to. Okay. And then you were like, yo, have you ever thought about getting in the business? And I'm putting myself over because The Rock was following me at yeah. the time. I was like, yeah, I got The Rock following me. I got this. I got, uh, uh, Some federation out in California wanted me to be a uh, some kind of special enforcer for the Rob Van Dam uh, Pentagon Junior match. Mm-hmm. You know Pentagon Junior? Yes. Yep. Rob Van Dam. Of course, you know Rob Van Dam. They wanted me to be some special enforcer. So I'm over here. I'm on this super high, and I'm like, what the hell is this jabroni asking me about if I ever thought getting into business? Doesn't he know who the fuck I am? And then I'm like, are you in the business? And then you're like, yeah, I'm Crowbar. I'm like, holy shit, this is Crowbar. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. Um, okay, so WCW Crowbar, Christopher Ford PT on Facebook. Rescue Mania, make sure you punch that into your... Rescue Mania Wrestling. Rescue Mania Wrestling, that's on Facebook, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, make sure you follow all those pages. Keep up to date with what Crowbar is doing, and maybe you'll see him back uh, on TV someday. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That'll be Who awesome. Knows what the, you know what's in the cards. Yeah. But, again, thank you so much for coming on, brother, and uh, we're going to wrap it up now. So for myself and for Janice, who did a great job, first podcast. Thanks, thanks. For the Pody, for Joey Bag of Donuts, and our main man, Crowbar, and even MBJ was in the house. She this is... stayed up all night, this whole time. She would have been in bed by now. She would have. She would have. This is Robert Frank signing out. Swallow's the goal! Size is the prize! It's game to clock, motherfucker! Let's go!